recording. Okay. What's that? I was just going to say, I'm going to mute out as soon as you start the recording. So I'm starting. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, December 20th, How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Horowitz, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, today should be a, an interesting topic and an interesting way to deal with the courts. Um, separation of church and state is the separation of man and a woman from government and or a woman from government. And basically, you know, I'm, I'm not lawless. I just don't follow man's opinions or what they create and call law. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if you looked at the, the little meme I created on uh, Facebook to go along with the post for tonight's podcast, but um, it says, basically, I am not lawless. Uh, I am like a Hebrew national. I answer to a higher authority. And I've heard other people talk about, you know, superior law, and it is something that, that you know, in, in legal circles is always an issue. You have courts of limited jurisdiction that, have, you know, that administrate things, and then you've got, you know, your, most of them are those. <laughs> you know, you've got your... Uh, uh, appeals courts and all these other things, and again, it goes in a hierarchy of superior law. So, I'm basically saying that uh, God's law is superior to all man's laws, and uh, I'm indentured to one and not the other. So, anyway, I'll start it off here. Second Corinthians six fourteen uh, through eighteen. Do not yoke yourselves together in a team with unbelievers. For how can righteousness and lawlessness be partners? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between the Messiah and, and Bilal? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreements can there be between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and as God said, I will, have, I will house myself in them, and I will walk among you. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Adonai says, go out from the midst, from their midst, and separate yourselves. So again, you know, being called out of Babylon, being separate from the system, not being, uh, you know, not, not trying to serve two masters, in, you know, with, with this system. And, and we don't have to. <laughs> and And their laws prove that, and I'll show you that in a minute. So it says, going on, it says, don't even touch what is unclean, then I myself will receive you. Receive. And, and you can look up receivership. In fact, I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says Adonai Tsevaot, which is saying, basically, you will be my heirs, okay, if you keep the trust. Galatians 3.29, also, if you belong to the Messiah, you are a seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Okay, a promise is a trust. Okay, the covenant, it is a trust. The Bible itself is a trust. Um, and, and the indenture was amended when Yeshua died on, and, and uh, was a sacrifice for our sins. We were bought with a price. 
So when you when you look at that, uh, again, you can choose to indenture yourself, just like you can choose to indenture yourself to the state, to the public. Uh, you know, take an oath, follow their rules, and and you know, happily go on your way, being ruled over by men. But uh, I choose not to do that. <laughs> First John 5, uh, 4, for everyone who has God as their father overcomes the world, and this is what victoriously overcomes the world, our trust. It's a trust. It's the inventor. It's the Bible. When I go into court, okay, um, I don't want to jump ahead here. Okay. So you're only doing what you are indentured under contract to do. Okay. The Bible is your indenture. God is the grantor or settler. Okay, he grants the trust, and he also settles, uh, you know. So he, as a grantor, he makes all the rules for the indenture, for the trustee to live by, okay, to administer the trust by, okay. And then he also settles all disputes based on that contract, okay. There is an answer for any dispute that you can come up with in that indenture if you accept that indenture, and that's up to you too, okay? That's how the indenture, that's how the trustee is supposed to administrate the grantor's affairs, okay? And it's important because, again, if you accept that as your trust, uh, you won't ever have a situation with uh, the government that uh, doesn't fall under religious accommodation. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and valuable for teaching truth, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Acts 5, but Peter and the parishion answered, we must obey God rather than men. So in a trust, you're under contract that no court can void. Okay? As a trustee, you're not doing your own will. Okay? You're doing what you're told. Okay? You are doing what you are told. Someone is above you. Someone has authority over you already, and, and that's by contract. And those are the rules that you have to follow, okay? You don't have to follow their rules, okay? You are beholden to the grantor, and that is in direct conflict with being beholden to the state. You cannot serve two masters, and you only get to decide which one it will be. Okay, well, let, me, let me rephrase that. And only you get to decide which one it'll be, okay? You get to decide. You can either if you chose to, and again, that's, you know, that's up to you, okay? Uh, but you can choose in, in uh, you know, and again, you can make the same argument in the court, okay? I, I choose, okay, to, uh, you know, to, to follow God, my creator, and that indenture. Um, works very well when I go into court as well. Um, and, and they cannot hold me to their rules. They have to accommodate mine. They get to choose God or man, God's laws or man's laws, truth and trust or deception and corruption. You hold all the power to choose whose law you're going to subject yourself to. Okay? Nobody can subject you other than by force, and force doesn't make things legitimate. You know, uh, otherwise, any mugger on the street that holds a gun to your head is... is uh, you know, has got authority over you, okay? They may have you in fear. They may have, you know, they, they may put you to a life decision, okay? But what they're doing is not legitimate authority. 
It's a usurpation of your authority. Okay. Learn to defend yourself. Okay, so interesting. I was looking through the justice manual quite a bit on Justice's website, and I feel free to go there and check it out. Uh, there are other manuals, and these are manu these manuals are the judge's desk reference books. Okay, this is what their quick reference guide when uh, they're sitting on the bench. Okay, so the justice manual, Title One. Uh, 15.100, to the greatest extent practicable and permitted by law, department compo components and the U.S. Attorney's offices must reasonably accommodate religious observance and practice in all activities, including litigation. I'll read that again. To the greatest extent practicable and permitted by law, department components and the U.S. Attorney's offices must reasonably accommodate religious observance and practice in all activities, including litigation. So that goes right along with the memorandum that I hand out, okay? And it's right there in the judge's desk, book, desk reference, okay? So... They're saying that in the very first line, okay, it's saying that they have got to accommodate, okay? So when I go into court, I take my Bible, I take a birth certificate, and the Bible is my indenture. The birth certificate is my beneficial interest in the case, okay? I object any proceedings against myself as a man and create separation between myself and the legus persona, okay, one that is Caesar's, legal fiction, and the man indentured to God, evidenced by my indenture, which is written within the cover of my Bible. Okay, that's my declaration. Okay, my declaration of trust. Here's the indenture that I'm indenturing myself to. Okay, now at that point, you know, I can, I can point to my indenture, as material evidence in the case, and boom, now it's my court. Now it's my court. Anything that's in that indenture, I'm bound to follow. And if it is in direct uh, opposition to the court itself, which it usually is, unless you're going into court and bringing uh, an agent uh, to the carpet for violating the indenture that they signed, which would be to the Constitution, their trust, a public trust, okay? But I'm not under that public trust. None of my stuff is under that public trust. An inventory of my stuff is kept in my Bible. Yeah, see, here's my bill of sale for this. Here's all the paperwork. I can use the Bible to administrate my affairs privately. And they have to accommodate. They have to accommodate. All right. So their court has no, no authority, no jurisdiction over you. Okay? Uh, and you answer to a higher authority. You're not lawless or an outlaw. You have evidence in your hand to prove you're contractually binding, which they have to take notice of and accommodate. So if a complaint is raised by the state, 
okay, uh, based on this uh, justice manual, okay, a counterclaim into the same case if needed, and you can force the case to a federal court, and the associate attorney's general, uh, the associate attorney general's office has to uh, has to literally um, assign somebody to the the religious uh, liberty cases. Okay, so it automatically turns it into a federal federal case. Okay, one fifteen two twenty says litigating divisions and U.S. attorneys' offices must inform the offices of the uh, associate attorney general immediately upon receiving service of a suit filed against the U.S. raising any significant any significant question concerning religious liberty. Okay, so. You're using that, you you know, you use the word as your indenture that you get it and entered into evidence. Now there's a conflict of law before the court, and they have to immediately uh, notify the associate attorney general's office. And this automatically can become a federal case out of their hands. Most of the time they're going to drop it before then and accommodate. But, again... If they try to play games or if they laugh or do whatever, you know, you know, it's all foolishness to them. It's not, uh, you know, their beliefs, but it doesn't make a difference. What you believe is is a fact, okay? They can assume or, or, or contrive anything they want, manipulate whatever they want, but this they can't, uh, they can't question based on their own rules, okay? Um, one fifteen three hundred number two, the free exercise of religion includes the right to act or abstain from action in accordance of one's religious beliefs. It's funny that they use act and action because those are both legal terms. Okay, they are both legal terms. Well, it is the justice manual. Okay, but we all you know we're always talking about they're actors. They're animating their position, their title, their office. Okay, they're actors. You can choose, what this is saying is, the free exercise of religion includes the right to act or abstain from action in accordance with your own beliefs. So if I choose not to act in their show, not to be a part of it, then that's the end of the story. They have to accommodate so you decide whether you want to be a part of their act or a little circus or whether you want to abstain from going along with the show. You have the right to abstain because you own yourself or because you're indentured to act for another. I'm going to repeat that. Okay? You have the right to abstain from acting because you own yourself or because you are indentured to act for another. Okay? That's the whole Definition of trust, right? Uh, Grants a trust to the trustee for the benefit of another. Okay? And so you're indentured to act for the benefit of another. Shows you're a trustee. So if you file your indentation, comes evidence in the case, an instant claim of religious liberty, is raised, which is which, based on the justice manual, requires immediate notification to the associate attorney general's office, an instant federal case. <laughs> the, 
the next question from them is going to be, do you really want to make a federal case out of it? And you just look, you know, you look them straight in the face and you say, well, I will if I have to. You know, you can let it go right now and accommodate my beliefs peacefully. Be done with it. All right, guys, that's what I have for today. So, uh, boy, that didn't last long, only 16 minutes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I could probably talk on about this topic, and uh, maybe I open it up uh, to you guys to maybe add to this topic and, and, and how you might use it in court. Anybody want to take a shot? Well, I got one for you. This is Jeremy out in California. Hey, hey Jeremy. How are you? Good. Well, out here, um, they have these things called UD court. They have and, what? Um, UD court. Okay. Um, and what? Um, how would your approach be if somebody was, you know, being dragged down through the banks, um, and their property is being sold, and then they go to UD court, and then they're to be kicked out of their homes. Um, how, how Are you far talking along? about the uh, landlord-tenant court? Yeah. Okay. Um, it goes into uh, no, a limited detainer. Um, so they are um, – it's, it's supposed to be a judicial court. They're supposed to be, you know, be, able to, be able to take this before their peers, and just like in any court, uh, but they don't. They bypass all that. And people right. have missed, and, and the, the law is actually, or when I say law, I'm talking about statutes and codes, is that it's supposed to go through that. It's supposed to be like that, but they've somehow circumvented it within their own, you know, how they twist things. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of people let it go so late before they realize that anything's wrong, then they end up getting up to the point where they're facing court and getting kicked out of their house. And, sure. and even if you go in before then, they're messing up their their cases, um, you know, trying to file everything left and right, anything they can find off the Internet. And then um, they bury themselves so deep that they can't, uh, you know, they've tried one process and then jump to another process, then jump to another process and everything. And yeah, so my question is, most processes, that, <laughs> most processes are, 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 are so you know, long and, and, and tedious and full of fluff and information that's not needed or required. Um, yes, you're correct. You know, so, again, most people don't realize to make, you know, when, when somebody's coming in at you like that and they're making a claim, okay, and they're going, it's mine. It's like two kids yeah. fighting over, but you know, a toy. Here's, here's the point that I'm actually getting to. Um, if they ended up trying to claim uh, the religion, the religion, I don't know what, what you're actually, what you call it, but basically uh, what, what process you meant. Okay. So if they wanted to claim that, you know, at the 11th hour, how effective would that be? Well, especially when you're dealing with these landlord-tenant courts, which are definitely not courts with, with any legitimate authority over an owner, just that fact shows fraud in, in the case because you were put in fraudulently into the records as a tenant 
on your deed. It doesn't say you're the owner. The deed was uh, registered and not recorded by a, an attorney or an officer of the court. Okay, so there's fraud. There's a lot of fraud within what they're doing with, with property. Um, a lot more, of that, I mean, they, again, there, there's all kinds of, of um, presumptions and assumptions and, fraud, and just straight-out fraud on its face like that. I mean, most people don't realize that when they buy the house, they don't get to own it because your lawyers are putting it into the public trust and, then you're, and turning legal title, you're turning legal, legal title over to the state, which you're giving up ownership. Okay. Uh, you need a, a, a bill of exchange between you and the previous owner and, and to collapse that trust with the state. And you do that again by entrusting it to your trust, okay, your private trust, whether that is, if you're using the Bible as your trust, you know, again, you take that bill of exchange, you put it into your Bible, you mark it, you have witnesses to it, it's a legal binding document and it's proof and evidence of ownership. Okay, most people, you know, uh, the other thing is, is that if, you know, if you're the church, then anything that you have is church property. And you're exempt from all of that, especially if you're losing your house to a tax case. Because I have come across that a lot. Folks that own the property outright, but the state steals it and, and resells it under a tax sale or a tax deed. Okay? And again, all of that stuff's, you know, created in fraud. And again, that's one more way. I mean, what I was talking about tonight using relig- principles of religious liberty you know, if you're entrusted with it, you have the highest claim to it, okay? Um, the house, they, you know, they don't have possession, which is why they have to chase you around and do a quiet title action, which, again, is saying, I have the highest claim on this property. And people don't know what to do, so they don't go in to, you know, to, to make their, their counterclaim, their higher claim, saying, no, 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 here's the original deed. Transferred from this one to this one. Here's my my evidence of the conveyance, and you know, I'm owner, not a tenant. How did I get to be a tenant on the deed that you have? Hmm. Somebody committed fraud. Well, who did the you know who did the recording, or the registering, I should say? Oh, well, the lawyer that you hired. So somebody who acted in bad faith on your behalf, acting as your agent went and committed a fraud upon you, and they just so happened to be an officer of the court, which is the same thing as any courtroom they're bringing you in, whether it's the landlord-tenant court or the civil court or criminal court, okay? So, I mean, as far as religious liberty goes, um, uh, houses of worship are, are exempt from taxation. They're exempt from, you know, the ministers are exempt from the taxes, okay? It's separate. You're separate. But you have to make the separation. Again, you, you know, people sit around on their hands and, and are afraid their house is going to be taken and all these things are going to go on. And, you know, they, they see everybody else's house being taken and, and nobody knows what to do. So they call and they hire a lawyer and it just goes snowballing worse and worse from there. The, the, the lawyer is never going to bring up 
any religious question and is definitely not going to bring up any question of authority or jurisdiction because it's against their oath to the court as an officer of the court. Can you okay, entertain so another subject? What was that? Can you entertain, can you entertain in, uh, um, some comment on that? This is Daniel. Sure, absolutely. Hey, Daniel. Um, you know, what came to my mind is, I'm, hey, Jeremy. Hey, just, just one second. I was just, just thinking, you said that uh, UA court, and I'm not sure it was a landlord-tenant or or for, for property that was owned, but I'm assuming it was a landlord-tenant, like is in a rental arrangement that you were referring to, am I correct? No, uh, it was ownership. No, no. But, no, it's, it's, that's what they end up doing out in, in California, is they take it to a UD court, a lawful detainer, which is a landlord-tenant situation, but UD this court. is what, for people who've owned their own home. Okay, well, this right. is what's interesting to me. My comment on that, this is just a different perspective. And my comment on that, and I thought I'd throw it out for the kick it around a little bit. Well, my comment is that, first of all, um, these courts, the way I understand these courts, or any court for that matter, would, uh, would have authority over uh, matters of contract or potentially of tort. And the second one, of course, can be questioned on, on uh, other issues. But let's just say that the court exists presently in our present current uh, realm for contract or tort. Well, if there's nobody knows, then you're going back to contract. If we're dealing with contract, then sometimes and many times a contract would specify what, uh, what are the terms of any con uh, controversy that exists in this contract. If it was a lawfully binding contract, of course, that even could be challenged as well, as Dave said. But if it states that the uh, state is, a, uh, is the, you know, the all in the handled in the courts of the state, my suggestion was that preemptively, you do a contract of novation, and you let them know that you uh, you are uh, you are religiously opposed to your uh, your religion to uh, participation in the courts. And your excuse would be, of course, the real simplest one is an unjust uh, uh, balance. So weight and balance is an abomination to the Lord. So if uh, if you, you can find that the, st the the deck is stacked against you in the courts, they're receiving emoluments. They're um, all on the same team. Uh, they do they, unrighteous judgment. You, you have no confidence in the administration of the court, so you are forbidden to participate in such things by nature of your um, relationship to the Most High. So um, that's just a few thoughts that came out of my head that you, you can uh, do a contract of novation where you can specify that uh, what the terms are for if it rises any controversy preemptively. And afterwards, if you tempted to be dragged into such an um, um, arena, You've got the justification in that, uh, you know, let's say, obviously, the uh, plaintiff can't be the judge in his own, in his own matter. I mean, in, in that respect, you know, look, uh, you owe me $1,000, and we've got a controversy. Uh, I'm going to be a judge, okay? Well, no, 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 no. Wait a second. You can't be the judge and also have the claim. But what arises in these situations is the court is a claimant in these matters because they get court costs and fees, and they get paid. And the banks are in their back pocket, and they're um, a party a party to um, backdoor deals in the counties. I'm I don't have any firsthand evidence, but I you know when there's smoke, there's fire. So um, anyway, those are the thoughts that came to my mind as we're speaking. If I could interject. Yeah, and by Thank the way, as far as the firsthand evidence, you could just look at their pension plans, and they they uh, they're heavily invested into the banking systems. So yeah, there's first half first hand evidence on that, but the question is, 
what, what about it's the timing of making the claim? After you've already flooded the courts with a bunch of bogus paperwork, making fraudulent claims and some valid claims and everything else, if somebody wants to claim the religious exemption at the 11th hour, do you have any experience in that? Because that's the mass majority of people who have just been dragged along in so many different things and been trying to get along. And then when they try to make a claim that's a valid claim, the court just looks at it as fraud upon the court because you're totally switching gears and doing everything yeah. else. Well, there's a way to do that without it looking like fraud on the court. Again, you know, how about the court? committing fraud on, on, on the case, right? Usually when you go in there, they, they, they apprise you of your rights, right? They let you know your yeah, rights. The, the court's the, the court absolutely you committing a, a million things of fraud, but if you claim fraud, and I've done this before, fraud right before the court that they're committing fraud, <laughs> that's pretty much their response. Oh, I agree with you, and that's where you bring up the religious, uh, you know, the, the religious liberty exemption that, again, if it's, if, you know, if this is looking like a kangaroo court where everybody's biased, everybody's got something to gain, everybody in there is corrupt, and, you know, and they're laughing at you as if you, you know, your religious beliefs don't matter, okay? And I'll go back and read it again because it says in their rules that, uh, to the greatest extent practicable and permitted by law, they, uh, all department components, and that's all Justice Department components, and the U.S. Attorney's offices must reasonably accommodate religious observance and practice in all activities, including litigation. I'm going to go on with theirs. Let's see here. 115.220, litigating divisions in U.S. Attorney's offices must inform the office of the Associate Attorney General's office immediately upon receiving service of a suit filed against the U.S. raising any significant question concerning religious liberty. Okay, you don't get to use the right unless you bring it up. So it's from the point of when you bring it up, at that point they have to literally bring this over to the federal government. So at any time? At any time. It's just like jurisdiction. I mean, it is a challenge to jurisdiction because you're under a different set of laws. You're under your indenture, not theirs. You're not even under the Constitution if you are a believer. You're under your own indenture. You have a law. You have a king. You've got a, you know, you've got a judge. You've got a lawmaker. You're not a party to that. You have to follow to be able to sit in court and see one of these follow out because they've got you know they've they've got a trick for everything, and I'm just trying to think what would their trick be. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I remember, uh, and I don't know if Yuri's on the phone, um, but when he put his into the case in in uh, Colorado, the the prosecutor goes, "It's not right that you bring up you know religion," <laughs> as he's handing him back his. Uh, you know, his notice and, and uh, you know, bidding him a goodbye as, as the case was dismissed. So, again, it's, it's, it's how you present it. And this says here that it's any suit. So if right then and there you say, you know what, 
I'm going to, I'm going to file a counterclaim right now. I'm going to read it into the uh, into the record. Counterclaim is that uh, fraud, religious uh, beliefs to take and you're really breaking up for me. I don't know if it is for anybody else, but you're really breaking up right now. Sorry about that. Signal's been rough. We've had cloudy weather. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, again, you can bring it up. Their own rules say it. You have the right to act or you have the right to abstain from action. Well, you choose to, under your religious beliefs, to abstain from that action. And that's any action before the court, before a secular court. So as, as a practical standpoint, if you have a right to abstain from action, so is that also to answer their summons? Yeah, because that's an actionism. But I would, I would respond with your right to abstain. On so would it be as a counterclaim belief. or would it just be as a response? No, you would put it in as a counterclaim because it isn't until you make the claim against the U.S. or any one of its... Uh, you know, states that are part of the U.S. that they so have to automatically of, bring this into the federal realm by bringing it to the attorney that's, general. That's kind of the trick, isn't it? If you're putting any type of claim in any type of paperwork in, you're giving submission to their authority. No, whenever you're putting, not putting in any paperwork, a you're not putting in a claim. That's that's not true. If I get hit by a car. And I write a you know, and I make a claim out to the insurance company. I'm, I'm saying, hey, I was injured. This is what it cost me. You need to make me whole. I'm not submitting to yeah, anybody's jurisdiction. If you want to file it in the court, you have to pay their fee and have it filed. Again, the you know, paying fees is against supporting a, a, a thing that I have an issue with. Now, yeah, so other then they people send you over to the other office and say you can file as being indigenous. Hold and on. Well, now the other the uh, other thing is that you and you know not want to be a party to what they do, not want to what they do. But there are folks out there, uh, a lot of them, that believe that this is legitimate and this is the way that it should be and they choose to indenture themselves to it or subject themselves to it. Those people, how else would you hold them accountable? You know, if they were believers, you can hold them accountable using the word, but they're going to laugh at that. So you bring them in and you say, okay, well, these are the rules that you subscribe to. You need to at least be accountable to them. So it's a different way of utilizing their rules. I don't, again, when I'm in a courtroom, I bring my Bible. That's my indenture. That's the law I have to live by. I answer to a higher authority than, you know, Joe Smith who picks his nose and, and uh, you know, does everything else that everybody else does, you know. And he's up there in a black robe claiming to be above me or has a right to administer my property or my affairs. Uh-uh. Why would I give anybody that right? And I have a contractual evidence, material evidence to put into the case in the form of my indenture. 
And you could use the same process dealing with private trust. Whether you use the Bible as your as your private, you know, indenture or you use, you know, an indenture of a trust that you created. Okay? But it is separate from them. When you go in there, you don't want to argue. You want to make sure that they recognize the separation first. Then they can deal with any questions. And the question is one of religious accommodation. And the only one that has the authority based on this justice manual is the Associate Attorney General's office. Once there's a suit created, they have to notify that office. Every single federal district office uh, has to have a liaison officer for religious freedom that will be assigned to the case and, and, you know, try to work things out. Uh, to accommodate the belief. So again, it makes a federal it makes a federal case out of it, and they don't want to do that anyway. Judges aren't going to want to see you know, oops, religious liberty violation. That's not going to look good on the record. All right, we're just going to dismiss your case. You think they would do that for a half million dollar home? I think that uh, your counterclaim. Being moved out of their out of their jurisdiction without them having boo to say about it is a serious threat. Now they may just say, "Okay, no problem. You know, your claim is in, and now it goes to the federal court to be heard, so they don't have to hear it." And then again, make your case in the federal court. So then, who files in the federal court? It's a, it would be moved to the federal court. They are they opened the case. The case. They made a claim or a fraudulent claim or whatever they claim is against you. So there's an open case already. This way, you're, it's a counterclaim, and that counterclaim by you know is uh, a religious liberty question gets moved automatically to the federal jurisdiction. So you don't have to open a new case; it's already there. Your counterclaim is being moved from state to federal. They started the claim. You countered no more reason to have to pay any money the case is already open but it's a it's a question that they can't answer in the state court it has to go to the federal yeah well just uh, so you know just recently a couple of weeks ago there was a case that was moved to the federal court and the state court still ruled and had a SWAT team come in and remove a lady from her home uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, like I said, it's not like they don't, it's not like they don't, you know, straight up, you know, uh, do whatever they want. They're criminals. They're criminals. So where's the legitimacy? They won't even follow their own rules. And I'm not saying that they'll even follow these. I'm just saying that's what their rules say. You know? Again, when 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 the you know when the fox is ruling the hen house, he's making the rules as he goes to suit him. You know, here chickens line up. This one here, this one here. You know, in in the order of my appetite. And that's how you know government is right now. It's corrupt the court. There's legitimate about it. But again. And you separate yourself 
is to say, hey, I have a contract, at least under Article uh, 110, the right to associate. You're saying that you have the right to act or abstain from that in a Okay, then I can abstain from the entire circus. And you have to accommodate me. Right there. So if you've got somebody like, uh, um, you know, a, a lending company, okay, and now you have control, uh, you know, through through your rule because you're in, entrusted with the possession of the res, the asset, the house, okay, at that point, uh, they got, you know, they have a claim that's based on uh, fraud. The whole money question is a fraud. Daniel, uh, you uh, you you want to go over that a little bit of what John was talking about about how everything within this system is basically a fraud because they're talking about payments and dollars and there is no such thing. They can't define it. It's an impossibility. They can't define it without committing fraud. Well, Article one so section ten. So Article one section ten is a uh, right to associate. No, they can only make payment of legal tender or legal tender payment. Or how's it go? Right. No state with, with gold or silver. It has to be with gold or silver to make a tender payment. Correct. Ed, was that you? Were you there? That's me. Hey, go and ahead. That, you, you know, you know better than most. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no state shall make anything, anything, other than gold and silver coin, uh, in in payment of debt. <laughs> it's the only lawful money. And to answer that guy's earlier question, he was asking, "How do I file stuff without giving jurisdiction to the court?" Whatever you file, just put the word "notice" on in the header. Right. Notice, notice of, an affidavit is all that I deal with. Yeah. 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 Notice of claim, notice of, you know, whatever it is you're going to do, you always do notice an affidavit. That's how you have court from the private side as well. And then uh, a trick I learned from lawyers is I'll put a notice of appearance in, and then I'll add my bill of particulars as an exhibit to the notice of appearance. <laughs> that, that puts them on guard right away. I mean, there's nothing they can do. Yeah. They have to accept a notice because a notice is to the court, but it doesn't relinquish any jurisdiction. You could put a notice yeah. of appearance and tell them that you're challenging the jurisdiction. Please prove it on the record, and then I'll be happy to come in. Yeah. You could send them notice of, of your uh right to act or right to abstain from action, and you can easily let them know that you are indentured under another contract, another law, other than the Constitution, your Bible. And there's now your Bible is material evidence and everything that's in it. Your children's births, you know, the, you, know you register your, your children's birth into your trust. Um, you, and again, that trust in the Bible is between you and your creator. It's private. They can't question it. They cannot even question it based on their own rules. It's just a way to stop it before it starts. And pretty much for any situation. 
Now, again, yes, can it be, uh, you know, where there's an actual victim? Eh, I, I, I don't think so because it wouldn't – I don't even think it would work out that way because that violates your own endeavor. Okay? It's definitely not going to work that way. You know, do no harm and you do harm, you know, you're going you're gonna to get hit with it. But, uh, you know, if, if you love your neighbor, you can't possibly commit a crime. Your intention to, to commit a crime isn't there. <laughs> and that, you know, that, that, that precludes you from being a criminal or being charged with a crime. Hey, if I harmed you, it was an accident. I didn't do it intentionally. I don't want to harm anybody. It's an accident, and an accident isn't a crime. Homelessness isn't a crime. Things like that are not crimes. When there's no victim, there is no crime. There is no tort. There's no injured party, you know? And, and again, every single time you go into a court, it's always the state of or the people of the state of against you or your legal fiction. And that's what they're getting you against. They have authority over the legal fiction. Render it unto Caesar right at the beginning. I'm here. I have a, I have a you know, I have a, uh, uh, an equitable interest or a beneficial interest in this case. Equitable is nice because judges cringe when they hear equity because that means somebody's getting held accountable and, 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 and you know, there's only two seats and him and the prosecutor and you and you're not having to worry about it. Musical chairs. And, and one of those two idiots is going to get, you know, stuck. That's equity. So when you go in there and you mention, hey, I have an equitable, you know, uh, reason to be here, okay, this, this defendant or whatever you call it <laughs> is harming me as a man. You create separation from the state. And then you do it again. Sorry, I'm not under your rules. I'm indentured to a higher power, you know, a, a higher authority. And they have so to accommodate. That claim, if by making the claim of equity, will that turn it into a court of equity? What makes it a court of equity? I mean, there are people screaming and crying, trying to find a court of equity, and they can't find them anywhere. And judges well, they're here writing. They're in the same courtroom. Put it in your notice of appearance. Put it in your notice of appearance. Put it in your notice of appearance that you uh, you need a court of equity to decide the matter. That way, your yep. intention is clear and it's on the record. And it's showing that it's a trust matter, and you're questioning which trust they're trying to hold you to. The one that you uh, voluntarily. Uh, you know, indenture yourself to, or the one that they try to force you to to be indentured to and subjected to. They they those truths coming out in the courtroom, especially full of people. But when you ask that question, you know, hey, which which indenture are you trying to, uh, you know, bind me to as a surety? You know, I'm already have a fiduciary responsibility over here. Uh, I'm indentured to this other trust. Here's the evidence. Open it up and you show them your statement of uh, of uh, trust, your statement of indenture. Right inside there, bills of sale for any property that's yours. The subject matter of any potential topic between 
you and the uh oh, something happened here. I don't know if I don't know why this did that. I really hope it's not messing with the uh recording. Well, you I can hear you okay. fine. Yeah. yeah, no, everybody's still here on the call. I'm just wondering if uh what's going on. Also, the gentleman had a question earlier. Uh, uh, David, the gentleman had a question earlier about fees to file. Uh, oh, yeah. One thing about, I just want to point this out. One thing about the Constitution is you have the right to petition. So that means you have the right to petition the courts, and if they try to charge you a fee for doing that, that's covered under Article 1, Section 9 or 10, is either a bill of attainder or a bill of pains and penalties both of which are uh, they can't do. So you just bring that to their attention and say, you know, if I pay you to file this claim, that would be a bill of attainder. And that's expressly prohibited by the U.S. Constitution. How are you getting around that? And if they still give you trouble... Hello. Anybody hear me? I'm sorry. I'm having technical issues. Hello? Hey, Dave, are you there? Oh, my goodness. I'm having technical difficulties, guys. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yeah, the call Hello? went back on. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> the system said that uh, the meeting had stopped, and I'm like, no. And then it like tried to redial me into the system. Sorry about that. Can anybody hear me? Is anybody there? I can yeah. hear you, Dave. I can hear oh, you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> what did I miss? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> what did I miss? Oh, I know you were talking about Ed and Jeremy there. there. All right. So uh, we were talking about the fees. Does anybody else have a topic, or do we cover everything that you wanted to cover, Jeremy? Hello? I don't know if Jeremy's still there. Anyway. Uh, half, half the people after all that yeah. technical stuff. Well, I mean, it's still showing that we've got, you know, 20 people on here, so. Well, I'll uh, shut up. <laughs> well, if you got a topic you want to bring up. It's the uh, order, uh, what is That Hold on a Friday. second. It says that I'm mute. Yeah, it's saying that I muted people. Hold on a second. I'm going to go back through here. And I had and to start fixing to get back in. Yep. 
Yeah, there we there go. You know, sorry, guys. I'm having technical difficulties, like free conference call just uh, – I'm back. We have like a little bit of a technical difficulty. Yeah. Start again. Is yeah. I think you got it now, Dave. It said unmuted. All right. I think everybody's unmuted. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, everybody's back. Sorry about that, guys. I, uh, the thing kicked me out and then kicked me back in, and, like, I got a gremlin tonight here. All right. Everybody put your water away. Hopefully it'll get better. <laughs> All right. So I have a continue. Yeah, I got a question on that. I'm what, gremlins? <laughs> <laughs> no, the other one. When he was saying to, you know, to um, inform them that uh, the Constitution says, you know, I have a right to petition and so forth. Well, if you're mentioning the Constitution, doesn't that put you under the constitutional law and not under the higher religious law? Not at all. No, 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 not at all. That's a protection for you. Your name, the we the people, our signature isn't on the Constitution. It's their signature. It's their agreement to us. We're just holding them to it. Right. Right. The, the Constitution recognizes rights. It doesn't infer them or confer them on anybody. It's kind of like when Jesus would say, doesn't it say in your own law this and such and such and this? And that's right. kind of what we're trying to appeal to. Right, exactly. And again, they don't have to follow, they, they don't have to indenture themselves to, you know, God. But, uh, you know, you have the option to do so and separate yourself from all that they're, you know, holding you subject to. Straight across the board. And you can do that literally with, you know, making them recognize the, the accommodations that they have to provide you with. And they think it's so important that, again, if you mention it even in, in a traffic case and you bring that counter suit, they automatically immediately have to inform the attorney general's office and a special counselor, you know, uh, liaison from, from the local office has to take over that case. So at okay, the very least, okay. you're moving it over to somebody. You're going, you know, you're going from the the gatekeeper to the 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 uh, manager. Okay, and that they're not managing you; they're managing you them. What's that? I said that answers my question. Uh, I think somebody else had another question on that, so um, I'm taking care of. Thank you. Thanks. Somebody hey, else had a question. question? Yeah, I've got a question for you, Davis. This is Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Okay. Hey, so uh, you had mentioned that when you go into court, you go in there with your Bible and your birth certificate. Yep. Now, you, you, you take the birth certificate to recognize your legal persona, the all-caps name. However, my question is, there's another individual from Australia named Mark Patelik, and he does something similar but in – the opposite effect, where he takes his live birth certificate, and when when charged with something or dealing with a with a matter, 
he hands that to the, the prosecutor and to the, to the judge and says, look, we have a problem. And he shows his live birth certificate in upper and lower caps or upper and lower caps and says that this is not him that's on the, on the document. So can you tell me the difference between the, the, the two approaches? Because it seems that both of them obviously work. But maybe you can elaborate a little one, bit more on one, that. One of them, well, when he's using it, he's using it to make a claim. Okay, he's saying, I'm not that. Okay, when I use it, I'm going in there. I'm the holder in due course of the certificate of beneficial interest in the trust that was created in the public of that in legis persona. Okay, now, is, now I, could do two, I could do two things. I could do one of two things. I can take over as the trustee and usurp the authority of, from the judge, or I can just step back and say, hey, you know, uh, I as a man am indentured under this contract. The Enligus persona, uh, you know, belongs to Caesar. Do with it what you will, but it's not me. Yeah, I got here's, okay. here, here's, here's the party you're looking for. Have fun with that party. You can make confetti out of it for all I care. Got it. Because no matter what, I'm not joining myself. I mean, the Bible says that we're not to be a surety. Okay? We're not supposed to be a surety. We're not supposed to take that oath, okay? We're not supposed to do it. So that is against my religious belief. And therefore, I can abstain from the action of doing so. But yeah, he, he's going in and he's using, a, a, you know, he's using it as evidence of his claim that he's, you know, not the illegal person, but a, you know, a live-born man. And again, you know, there's many ways to do the same thing, you know, but you can utilize it very simply by just, you know, again, saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to exercise my right to uh, abstain from any action when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, that's out of sorts with, with my religious beliefs. And, you know, being judged by some man is beyond, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm willing to go and do. Or a woman. Make a difference. They're not God. They have no right to meddle in my affairs. I tell you, uh, Daniel gave me a great idea one time when he said he was talking about a guy that walked in, and he stood up and said, "Hey, Your Honor, I happen to know that there are two parties that uh, carry, or there are two there are two different entities with the same name. Which one are you calling for, the state citizen or the corporate fiction?" <laughs> and what a lot of people on the call might not know is, in according to the U.S. Printing Style Manual, a corporation is denoted in all capital letters. Yes, but nobody ever mentions that. So what I'll do is I'll come in and say, Your Honor, it's my mistake. I did come here for that matter today. My name is Edward W. Siner Jr., but uh, I happen to notice that the name was in all caps. I was reading the U.S. Printing Style Manual, and I'm obviously I'm not a corporation, so I'm not a party to this action. Who holds the birth certificate uh, with the all caps name? Because that's the party you need to be going after. Right. 
So the all caps name shows up in two places. Shows up in two places on a on a corporation, which is a dead entity, and on a on a gravestone, which is you when you're dead. That name is not your name is not supposed to go to all caps until after you pass. What they did was they allowed you they created a way for you to be dead at the same time and they join you to the dead entity. The legal fiction is a dead entity. The, and that's the why reason they're that, motivating, uh, of course. The reason, David, that I'm using that I'm saying the word party is because under their state's own UCC laws, if if anything has to do with uh, your liberty or property, you must be a party to. Even if they sue you, they they presume that you're a party. But uh, right. if you look at the UCC definition, a party is someone who has entered into an agreement. And so, therefore, right. you can say I'm not a party to this action unless you can show me the signed agreement. Right. Or I expressly, I expressly don't consent to be a party to this agreement or any agreement with you because I don't trust you. That or you could have evidence. Or you could have evidence that you're not a party. A buddy of mine told me, uh, reminded me that I helped him with the document, and it's caused his um, be in liberty in Illinois. And I helped him with a resignation of registered agent, which he sent to all um, of the agencies where he resigned from being the registered agent for that um, all-capped and religious entity, and he listed it, and the uh, file number on the birth certificate, and he said, I will no longer be agent for service of process, notice, and demand for this registered um, organization. And I was like, uh, I helped you with that? He goes, yeah, you helped me with that. And he said that's what um, he, uh, um, he never been, he's never was bothered again, and he had actors coming after him. So you can put have evidence of such on the record. Yeah, and that's a great way to do it. That's a great way to do it because they are presuming that you are the corporate entity. Corporate legal well, fiction, that's what that is. Well, you know, every organization that's, uh, you know, if, 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 here's, the, here's the thing. You know, the definition of an organization is any person other than an individual. So if they're not talking right. about an individual, they're talking about an organization. But that stuff is never on the record. That goes to what Ed taught me about nature and cause. They never have jurisdictional elements on here. And so when, when, uh, when the, I did tell that, that story about when Dennis walked in that court and he said, is Dennis Craig Bynum here? And that's Dennis Craig Bynum when he was uh, with us in the flesh. And he said, they stood up and he goes, which one, Your Honor, or which one, sir? I happen to know there are at least two. And the judge ran off the bench from what was testified to me. And uh, so you, had, you have two there. You've got the man and you've got that um, registered organization, which was – it's not an individual. And if you notice the UCC, there's, there's only two types of debtors uh, that they have in the United States. There's the individual and organization. If you were to do a UCC 11 debtor search to find out if there's any obligations uh, on the name, now they'll give you only two options. They'll give you in an individual. You can do a UCC 11 search on an individual to find out if there's any obligations to the name. Or you can do UCC 11 on an organization. And those are the two ways that are classified. They're the only two classifications for debtors in the United States. So interestingly, you could have two designations for the name. Uh, is it an individual or is it an organization? So we've uh, done, people and myself included, have done um, uh, resignation of registered agent for that organization documentation and sent it all around to everybody who thinks they're anybody. 
which is quite a few people these days. So does that include a driver's license? Well, if you want to register, you, I, when I got, see now, I'm a little bit different than you all. I've got one of those things after 30 years or 29 years of not having one, but I did it without an SS number, and I went in there and, and converted a state ID into a driver's license, but I did it with a contract to the Division of Motor Vehicles, and I signed it as not a state agent right across the, the image, and, and, uh, and, and I, saw, and I ha happily filled an affidavit that I, that I don't have a Social Security number because I don't. Social Securities were not issued to men. The only issue to that organization, that proof of it is they ask you for that birth certificate. Any time they're asking for a birth certificate, it has nothing to do with you. Have you got that letter that. back yet, Daniel? I actually got a letter from the governor back. That's another topic that I could bring up uh, afterwards if anyone wants to talk about it. Okay. He denied, he den uh, the governor denied that he had anything to do with it. Nothing they could do. I should seek his attorney because they had no response. Uh, with, regards to the, with, with regards to the gentleman that had the question about the driver's license, what I did, I went in and turned in my driver's license, and then I asked for a state-issue ID. And when they took my picture for the ID and had me sign my signature, I just put a CF period in front of it. And uh, in old common law, that means to confer, which in the English translation means to compare. What I'm saying is, Please compare the signature to the U.S. Constitution, the state constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. So and the it's Bible. better than writing UCC 1-308, all rights reserved, which they're not going to let you put on the signature line anyway. So just put a CF period in front of your name and sign your name the way you regularly do, and you're covered. You, they can't say that you entered into a contract by signing your name that way. Ned, I know this is going to be different, but I would say you can do a lot by saying Jesus the Christ by you and say everything. I live and move and have my being through Jesus Christ, so I can't say that I do it myself. I'd be bearing false witness. If you're asking me to put my signature on here, I've got to be honest with you. It's only Jesus the Christ by me because in him I live and move and have my being. Now you've already have your religious uh, objection on the record, and you've uh, demonstrated that you're here only in, in body as part of his, his body, as one of the body of Christ. Right. And then uh, the second step to the driver's license question is, what do you do about the vehicle? And what I did after I did this with a state ID and turned in my driver's license, I went down to the uh, registration office and told them that uh, I had my truck on the farm and and, uh, and it just gave out on me. The engine gave out. I didn't have it fixed, so I sold it for scrap. Could you please remove it from the registration database? They had it done in about 45 seconds. And then I just keep my tag on the vehicle because I, I, I purchased that with my own money, so it belongs to me. And, but when they run it in the registration, then nothing comes up. The vehicle doesn't even come up. So now, now you've created no nexus with the state, and if they ask you for ID, just hand them a copy of your state ID if that's what you want to do. If you get in any trouble after that, just file a bill of particulars into the record. Let them have some fun with that. They, they started leaving me alone about six years ago. But I, you will have a period of time where you're going to have to fight for your right, and that's the point that we're all having by this conversation is if somebody doesn't stand up and fight for their rights, 
we're not going to have any rights left. Our children and grandchildren are going to be slaves to the system. And that's why I get up and do what I do every day. As far as the state goes, you don't have any rights. The Bill of Rights does not apply to the states. I don't know if everybody realizes that that's on the line right now, but I can show you the case law. McCain versus Durston says that the Bill of Rights do not apply to the states. So the only rights we have left as far as the state's concerned are within the U.S. Constitution, the federal and state constitution. And uh, I know Johnny's on the line. Johnny asked for a trial by jury. And, and his, uh, his forced attorney or assigned counsel, whatever you want to say it, told him that he didn't have that right. But it says in Article 1, Section 16 of the California Constitution that that right shall remain inviolate. Now the question is, how are they getting away with telling him that? Well, because you're in the wrong jurisdiction. You're in an ad hoc jurisdiction, which uh, is, means no rules. There are no rules. Like uh, David said earlier on the call, they make the rules up as they go along. And if what you're saying doesn't correspond with the judge's thoughts on the matter, he'll just change the rules right there in the, in the middle of the game. In other words, unless you actually know the law, you can't win. That's how bad it's gotten. These, these people are corrupt. I'm kind of excited tonight. I had a big win on Friday. I got number 82. Hi. My name is Ginger, not to switch um, subject here, but I was wondering whether you could share some information in regards to paying bills. Um, are you using the bottom coupon part? And if you are, what it specifically are you endorsing? Thank you. Is this Ginger from Louisiana? Um, close to Louisiana. Why do you ask? Oh, this, this is Chad. I just know a Ginger from down there. I thought it might oh. be you. No, Chad. The pleasure okay. to meet you. Yep, you too. Thank you. No, nobody is doing that. Or, or I think we may have lost our host again. Okay. Ginger, I, in the absence of Dave, I will tell you I have been around different people that have expressly tried to do what you're referring to. I believe you're trying to mention about a specific endorsement so that the utility company wouldn't be double-dipping on uh, the private side and then getting you to pay them a second time for your bill. Am I accurate in my assessment of your question? Correct. Well, and, and I, I would say that uh, since Dave is not there to answer the question, and I'm just jumping in, I personally don't uh, have a whole lot of, of, of repertoire of people I know that have had continuous success with that, although I know a few stories and know at least one party that did it with a phone bill, which is a little bit different than the specific uh, water or gas. Um, so I, I do know the situation you're referring to. Um, 
I guess you have to look and see if it's a matter of right. If it's a matter of right and it's your property, you've made a claim to it. If you made a claim to the to the to the resources and you're and you have a, and these are your resources, wouldn't it require that you be paying for your resources twice? Unless they've got hey guys, income. sorry. Dave, we got a question here, and I was just trying to fill in while you were gone. Appreciate it. <laughs> what, what's the question now? Go ahead, Ginger. Try with the, the host. Hi. I was asking whether you are um, aware in which one can pay their bills um, in regards to using the um, bottom coupon, and if so, what specifically are you writing on them? You're talking about A for V, acceptance for value, and discharge or offset of your bill. And, yeah, yeah, there are ways to do it. And, again, what I would use is a, uh, you know, you're going to describe HDR 192. You're going to give the people that you are sending it to solid directions as to what they have to do with it. The problem isn't that, uh, you know, these, these rules don't exist. The problem is that they're not teaching it to these people, and, and you need to explain the process to them. They don't know what to do with it, so they think it's bogus. So the, the, more, uh, the more that you can, you know, describe the process and what they need to do and why they need to do it, um, the, the more likely you are going to have success in doing so. Um, the other thing is, is that, again, uh, you can ask them how they would like to get paid. And if they say in dollars, again, you go right back to uh, Ed's constitutional argument about how uh, only gold and silver uh, and no other thing can be used to pay debts. And there is no gold and silver uh, coin in you know, in circulation right now. This is all, they're acting in bankruptcy. In bankruptcy, there's a receiver. HJR 192 is a bankruptcy statute. Okay, it's, uh, Public Law 7310 are bankruptcy statutes. And it shows how you need to operate in receivership. The state of the country is in receivership. The Secretary of the Treasury is the receiver for the national bankruptcy. And just like you would turn your bills over in bankruptcy to your lawyer who is the receiver as a, you know, when you file a bankruptcy, the judge makes them the receiver. You bring your bills to them, and they discharge or offset them. That's bankruptcy. That's the procedure. And, you know, most people are out there going, oh, you know, with a coupon, and you look into this. you got to understand the mechanics of what's going on. And they are operating in fraud again. So, again, there is no legal tender. There is no legal money. There is no real money, uh, lawful money, I should say. Legal is all it is. It's by decree, fiat. It's money because they say it's money. And it has no value. It's fraud. It was used to, you know, uh, manipulate the assets and, and, and change hands uh, through deceit. That's what this has been done, you know, where governments and their banker buddies take over all the assets and, and you know, in their areas. And this happens all over the world. We're not the only ones with a central bank, you know. 
we're the rule. That's, uh, you know, what is, it's, uh, what's that? I said, what ends up happening, Dave, is that people um, attempt to do something and they get their utilities turned off because the people don't honor the instrument. So being fair to Ginger's question, you have to uh, comprehend that these things are, if you're going to stand on your paperwork and what have you, you stand the risk of having no lights, no heat, no gas. In all fairness, they, that, that's, you need to uh, um, choose your battles and what have you. That's why I was saying before you came on, Dave, if you have an interest, if, you're, if they're using um, the, the earth, the, the resources of the land, for whatever it is that they're attempting to resell you, my question is, do you have a claim and have they been notified of, that, of your claim to your portion of those resources that they're reselling, attempting to resell back to you? And absent a lawful claim that they're attempting to sell back to you, um, you, you have right of equivalent, um, then uh, that's another way, another angle to hit it, Dave. I just thought I would throw that out. Yeah, by replevin or, or by subrogation as well. If you do pay it so that your lights stay on, you can put in a, a subrogation claim that you were a surety for the legal person in this matter, and, and you put it in for reimbursement. You lent the legal fiction money, and you're putting in a claim against the legal fiction to the Secretary of the Treasury, and you do it directly. Show the receipt of the bill and claim, claim a refund because you are exempt from levy. Same way that uh, you're, just, you're just doing it uh, in, in a safer way because they're not going to turn your lights off. You prepaid it. I know how I she can I... do it lawfully and win it ahead, every time. If uh, everybody will get a pen, write this down. When you get your paycheck, most people on here – probably have a bank account. Most people here probably get a paycheck. Uh, on the back of the paycheck, just write this. Redeemed in lawful money pursuant to Title 12 USC subsection 411. Redeemed in lawful money pursuant to Title 12 USC subsection 411. And then you sign it two ways. This is the way you sign. You endorse the back of the check. You sign your regular name, like CF period, whatever your, however you do your signature, and then behind that put DBA, and then put the all caps name. Now, if you if you pay them, you you just take a picture with it of your phone every time you endorse a check. And if you ever have to go to court, or you just want to go to the counter and say, hey, I'm not sure that I can actually pay you because I've redeemed my money for lawful money. Can you accept lawful money, or can you only accept Federal Reserve notes? See, that's the key. That's the key is saying lawful, not legal. Lawful. Right. Can you accept lawful money? And they can't. You're and that's presentment. And right. that is presentment. Right, she could send a letter to them instead, a notice to the to the utility company, saying that uh, you know I, I can't I can't have my constitutional rights violated uh, since they took all the gold and silver away, and this goes back to John's argument in Texas. It, it, since they've taken all the lawful money out of circulation, I promise to pay you any money that accrues. As soon as they put a money in, in circulation that doesn't violate my constitutional rights under Article One, Section Ten, Clause One, 
which says right. no state shall make any payment of any debt or contract of obligation in anything but gold and silver coin. And at that point, you could offer money of account. That's right. So what she's doing is she's trying to pay them, but they can't actually accept the money, even though you're trying to pay them with lawful money. And all she's got to do is bring in her canceled paychecks and show them that she redeemed uh, all of her funds that she makes into lawful money, yet they can't accept, they won't accept lawful money. According to their yeah, they can't tax lawful money either. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I would hey, put that. I put that on the employment contract. <laughs> you need to be paid in lawful money. <laughs> but she can send them a promise to pay as soon as the government, as soon as Congress yes. doesn't violate your constitutional rights of paying in lawful right. money. Right, and that's what that that's what that coupon should say. But all all, doing, all endorsing. Endorsing the back of your checks this way prevents them from prosecuting you for any bills that you didn't pay. They'll, you know, they may try to do a, even if a, a debt collector calls you, just send them a couple of photos of your, the way you endorse your checks and say, can you even receive funds from me if they're in lawful money? They can't. A comment about lawful money? Sure. Rich, California. You know, hey, on the back of a uh, on the back of uh, a golden eagle and a silver eagle, uh, it says fifty dollars and one dollar, respectively, on the gold and the silver. What if you get a smart uh, judge who says, "Okay, yes, you can pay with lawful money. Uh, you have a two hundred dollar bill, so you can bring in four gold eagles." They can't accept well, it. They can't accept it. They can't accept the payment. Well, it says fifty dollars on it. Yeah, but it's not. It's not in circulation. Sure, it is. The mint sells them. Not as money. It's not. Not as money. It's not. It's numismatic. It's a word. It's a word, sir, called numismatic. They took gold and silver out of circulation. Well, actually, hold on on a second. They don't call them numismatics. I mean, you may be correct, but numismatics—they're called um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Like an ingot. It's the same. No, they are not numismatics. Oh, sure, the ones from the pre-30s. From the pre-30s are. I'm talking about from '86 on. Those uh, gold coins that the that this corporation is printing. They're printing them, but they're not circulating them as money is what I'm saying. They are not considered money as of 1967 uh, silver and was it 1933 gold so or 38 gold. So when you when you're talking about legal or lawful money, there is none in circulation. Everything is fiat at this point. Because the country is in bankruptcy, they can't operate in in things of value, because that would that would go against the bankruptcy. There'd be assets. There would be things that they you know. Uh, and again, the creditors are not holding the debtor, the country itself, you know, to its debts, and they're never going to pay them willingly. Or, 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 All I'm saying is be be careful yeah. because you may have to. You may have to support your 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 claim. 
A judge wouldn't do that. A judge wouldn't ask you to pay or accept you uh, paying in gold or silver because they're operating under the Uniform Commercial Code, and we're dealing with um, fiat money under the Uniform Commercial Code. The moment he goes back to gold and silver, he's lost that jurisdiction. He's under the common law, and there you'll be king and you'll win because there's no way that 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 judge is going to say that. And I can say that through countless experiences after experience on it. And I do understand what you're saying. It does say $1, but they have actually moved away from that since 1964. Gold and silver is not the currency of the courts. They're operating under the maritime uh, jurisdiction, and they're operating under the UCC, and only fiat currency um, rules there. If the moment he does that, it's exactly over to the common law, he's screwed. Right Right into equity. Right into equity. Yes, please. May I? Yes. Do I have to press a star to get in? Nope, you're in. Okay. Um, uh, in my research, I forget what uh, executive order or act that Roosevelt wrote, but in it, it said, I read it, and it said that uh, they suspended gold and silver for for a payment a tender of payment. And only people that were collectors of gold could keep it lawfully. And that anyone trying to use it at a bank or in commerce could be penalized. Yes. The, uh, the bank that goes in line with what I'm saying. If you endorse right. your checks before you deposit them with uh, the USC code 411, what you're saying is, I want to redeem this cash when I pull it out of this bank in lawful money. And so you go back a week later and you pull out $300 to run on, it's supposed to be in lawful money or else they just breached your contract. Right. Can, well, can I jump in here? In my, opinion, in my opinion, Roosevelt breached the contract with the Constitution saying that he, he um, allowed, uh, because of the bankruptcy, even though uh, there was a bankruptcy, he breached the contract with changing the currency to debt, debt notes. Well, the currency's still there. We can still, pay in, we can still pay in gold and silver. We can pay with our, you know, with our labor. We could pay, you know, in, in, in uh, money of exchange. But well, you can't walk into the store and use money of exchange unless, you know, no, the owner says, yeah, I'll accept that. Well, but, what I read was, excuse me, what I read in what the order he put out, I forget whether it was the Banking Holiday Act or the... Yeah, it was, it was the Banking Act. Yeah, but in, in whatever act that was, I forget it right off the top of my head. I could find it if I needed to. Um, it, it read that he suspended, which means he breached the... Yes, uh, he breached the trust. Yes, he breached the trust. And that people could be penalized for even attempting to use it in any kind of tender of payment or exchange. Only The only exception was people that were collecting it like uh, a hobby. They were collectors of it. 
which didn't make a bit of sense, but yeah. But you couldn't okay. use it anymore. You couldn't use it Again, anymore. That would bring you back into equity. That would bring, you know, using it brings you back into equity. It brings you back into the trust side of the court, the Constitution side of the court, the trust. Okay, and that's equity, and that's where you know again you're dealing in facts instead of fictions. Uh, gold and silver ha- are a fact; they have inherent value. The you know Federal Reserve note is an IOU; it's vapor from the government. It's dictated. It's it exists because they say it exists, but nothing. There has no there has no inherent value. There's no substance to it, so it's worthless on its own but again when you're dealing with this uh, you know and and like daniel was saying case after case after case when you bring up this question they can't say yeah you got to pay in silver or gold or 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 in dollars they can't tell you because they cannot define dollars they cannot define dollars at this point they cannot accept gold and silver as a payment of a fine in a court because it's been pulled out of circulation, period. Correct. Now, conversely, uh, some of the people on this call know what I did this summer. Some don't. But I bought a new house on five acres of land in Williamson, Georgia. And the way I did it, I split it up. And I bought the house for a, for amount of fiat dollars, which went directly to the sellers, and then I bought the five acres of land with one ounce, a uh, one troy ounce of one ounce of gold that was minted at the U.S. Mint. And then when they asked me, well, what value do we put on your land? I said, well, the value on the face of the coin, $50. So it works for you, ma'am, not against right. you. It works for you. What they did right. is they breached the Paramount Trust. And when they did that, it, it doesn't stop us from using lawful money. It stops them from using lawful money. Right. They can't ask for it. But you can offer it. And they can't accept it. Right. But the second you make an offer under UCC, if they accept it, you have discharge. If they reject it, you also have discharge. And that's the thing. If you had a, you know, a gold coin or a silver coin in your pocket, you say, okay, I'd like to take care of that with this gold coin. And or, they or cannot say you have a, a stu- say you have a student loan debt for a hundred thousand dollars, or you have a mortgage. These can all be handled under under one ten one of the Constitution. You can say, yeah, okay, I want to pay this off. Uh, how much? How many ounces of gold will it take for me to pay this off? See what kind of letter you get back from them. <laughs> I only deal yeah. in lawful money. Right. That's why I and don't they everybody can't. to endorse their checks. If you endorse your checks, listen, the bank's not going to be happy about it because they can't even do fractional reserve lending on any money in your account. Yeah. They can't, they Especially can't because it has money. to be lawful money. Right. And you can decide whether you're going to accept a, a government IOU in exchange for your energy that you put out at your job, okay? There's no reason that you have to accept Federal Reserve notes. 
you can you can ask for it in lawful money is what Ed's saying based on that that code. And they can't you tell, tell them you no. Right. You tell them it's your it's your uh, right to pay all your debts in lawful money, and they and the problem is they can't tell you to pay them any other way. And they only accept Federal Reserve notes. Can I jump in here? Please. Hey, hey, David. Uh, Ed, I, I've uh, I, I've been uh, signed. I actually have a stamp that I use on the back of my checks. It's not quite exactly like what you said, and I believe it got me. At least I believed it got me out of a uh, court fine that they levied against me. Um, but now, after about three years of not hearing anything from the court or or from the state on that fine. Um, they they basically told me they were going to come in and just take the money out of my account, and they never did it, never took a penny out of it. And uh, now three partner, years later... Partner, let me say this. If they didn't have threats, duress, and coercion, they wouldn't have anything at all. No, I, I agree. Um, but in a way, now three years later, they came back at me, and then I did an accepted for value... And they they still just you know took the money out of my account, um, but my my issue, and I'm not trying to be argumentative here. Uh, it's just a question of mine. In reading uh, 12 U.S.C. 411, it says um, Federal Reserve notes to be issued at the discretion of the Board of the Governors, which that's you know that that's not the U.S. Treasury or anything uh, of the Federal Reserve System for the purpose of making advances to Federal Reserve banks through Federal Reserve agents as hereinafter set forth and for no other purpose. That's the line that gets uh, That's right. Our, our that means pr- that's, it, that's, that's what protects you, though, and for no other purpose. In other words, you have to be a Federal employee to use the Federal Reserve notes, which is how they make the presumption over you of the in, uh, of the uh, all caps name. If yep. you refuse to use Federal Reserve notes in payment of debts, that means that you're a state citizen, and the and the birthright citizenship doesn't apply to you. You're not a federal employee because you refuse to use their money and for no other purpose. Also, if you read okay. the notes in uh, 411, it sh- it says that the, whatever payment you do pay in has to be mutually consented to. So, in other words, if you don't consent to pay your debts in Federal Reserve notes, there's nothing they can do about it. They're stuck okay. because they never I, changed the Constitution. Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1. Yeah, okay, and that, 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 that's good because I wasn't looking at it that way. I was looking at it more from, you know, with the no other purpose. It's like... Well, then we're not even authorized to use them, so how can we redeem them? Right. right. But what, but the, said, what they're doing, yeah. though, I want you to understand it from their side of it. They want you to use them so they can consider you as being a federal employee. And yeah. then you come in under their UCC laws. Yeah. Also, you should look up your UCC for your state and look up the definition of money, and you're going to find out that it's uh, they call it a unit of account. Well, what unit of yeah. account yeah. is that? Is it federal That's reserve credit. notes? Yeah. yeah, credit. I've, I've been there, yeah. So, okay, you thank you, Ed. That, that clarifies it. 
Yeah, it, it can't. You, in law, you cannot pay a debt with a debt. And all anybody right. on this phone call has got to do is go look at the national debt clock for the Federal Reserve note. Yeah. They may call it credit, but they can't even define it. They can't define the dollar. Because of right, and the only reason they keep that debt clock going is to keep it in front of the, the, the people that are slaves to that debt. That's why it's there. It's, it's, it's a tactic they're using, and, and it's, you know, people drive by that. Millions of people drive by those things every day in this country, that debt clock. Um, I know of a couple of groups over the last 30 years have tried to discharge that whole debt under HJR-192. Um, obviously, if you the really understand the argument, though, if you really oh, yeah, understand absolutely. the argument, there's nothing that they can do. So, yeah. so okay, the Federal Reserve note. Well, the Federal Reserve Bank is a third-party supplier of UCC money. That's the definition of the Federal Reserve Bank. It has got nothing to do with the government, and the and the yeah. courts cannot force you to buy foreign notes from a third-party corporation. It's, it's not anywhere true. in the law that they can do that. That's why I like your uh, endorsement on the back of the check, because that's saying that you will not accept them because you're not a federal that's employee. Right. That's right. And it's and saying that, when you pull your money out, it better be lawful money. Right. So there's another, there's a quote here from 31 U.S.C. 5101. I'd like to read everybody for fun. And this is also in state statutes, by the way, when it's relating to money of account. And this is kind of the interesting. It'll put the capstone on this um, statement, I believe, at least I hope. United States money, United States money is the first three words of this, is expressed in, this is really interesting, money is expressed. It doesn't say money is. So this is right yeah. there, you're, you're dealing with something that needs, you need to be, that we're only talking about an expression. We're not talking about the reality. So the United States money is expressed. Now check this out in dollars, not substance. Well, well, yeah, check out how it's expressed: dollars, dimes or tenths, cents or hundredths, and mills or thousandths. A dime is a tenth of a dollar, a cent is a hundredth of a dollar, and a mill is a thousandth of a dollar. Now, there is your um, a case positive reference to show you that they are not dealing with the coined and minted money of the United States pursuant to your monetary system, unless, of course, you've seen a, a mill flying around lately uh, floating through the uh, system of what was minted. <laughs> these are just an expression, and that, this is all for digits on paper and digital accounting. We're not dealing with gold and silver because there's, there's not a mention here at all about this, the the uh, it's, it's not the, the coin value that we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the expression, which is uh, the um, the decimal system. The yeah. we're, we're we're dealing with only things that can be expressed and printed out. Right. Let me, let me just form. Let, it's form, not substance. Right. Let That's thirty-one me, let me U.S. fifty-one oh one. By the way, thirty-one U.S. fifty-one oh one. Yeah, and look at the notes section. I'm sure I do that, actually, um, but I was given a chance to, uh, uh, for people to understand because it, what it says in the notes, it says the word money is substituted for money of account to eliminate unnecessary words. And that's actually right. consistent with many state statutes. So, right, it says, but it wasn't, last, to, it, wasn't it didn't have anything to do with an economy of words. It had to do with the fact that 
they pulled a fraudulent scheme on the American people. And, and but the next That's sentence he said is where, where everybody should uh, just you know straighten up and say we just resolved it. As far as can be determined, the note section of 31 U.S.C. 5101 says, as far as can be determined, the phrase money of account has not been interpreted by any court or government agency. Nor so can go. it be. Nor, Nor can, can it be. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd love to see a judge tell me to pay in gold. <laughs> right, because they lose right there. And then if they ask you to pay in dollars, you tell them that, you know, you ask them to define the dollar. And they can't. Just I mean, he just read it. So it's they can't do it. Not that they won't do it, because they are corrupt, and they will make it up as they go. But by their rules, they're not supposed to. And this is why, to answer uh, Ginger's question going way back, uh, you know, you have got to give very specific instruction as to what you want done. And, and, and also and, uh, for the gentleman that... Also, for the gentleman that made the comment, uh, I'll tell you what I've told the judge before, and I read it in John's paperwork in Texas. But you can tell them that, the, uh, that what you what you uh, choose to pay your debts in is a political question. Therefore, it's non-judiciable in any court. And then you can point them back to the notes of 31 U.S.C. 5101. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's a non-judicial argument. Further on down in those notes, it says, thus the phrase money of account did not mean by itself that dollars or fractions of dollars must be equal to something having intrinsic or a substantive, substantive value. Right. There's, it's not, not based on weights and measures. Right. In 1920, all right, so I'm assuming everybody on the line understands the difference between Federal Reserve notes and Federal Bank notes. But in 1920, my grandfather could walk into any bank and give them uh, one gold, uh, one ounce of gold, and the bank would give them twenty dollars in, right. in federal reserve in, in, in bank notes, not federal reserve notes. Certificates, notes. gold certificates. You can redeem that, it for gold or silver. So, or he could take a twenty dollar bill in there, and they give him one ounce of gold. Right. That was where you had your gold backing and silver backing. It was the the actual money stood for something of value. Now, fiat, or money by decree, is backed by, it's money because we said it's money. And that's what they're saying. You know, well, that's great if you believe what they say, okay? But, you know, take away all the assumptions and presumptions, and it still has no value, no substance to it. So, and the way to make, again, and the, way to make the argument in court is, hey, it's up to you how the government wants to define what's money. But I have the same right as you. And, and not only that, I have the federal constitution on my side. Yeah. No state, no state shall make anything but gold and silver in payment of debts or contractual obligations to pay it debts. And it's all contract law. That's what UCC means, Uniform Commercial Code. It's a contract. Right. That don't mean that you have to agree to it. If you have a political... Uh, if, if they can't determine political questions in courts of law. And right. they claim to be courts so, of law. And what you said earlier, Ed, as far as if you've got a mortgage or a car note or something like that, and you call up and say, hey, how many uh, 
you know, how many silver dollars or how many, you know, gold coins, is, you know, gold dollars is it going to take uh, to square this debt? Again, because they are part of the fiat system, they cannot accept it. They can't come up with a number. It's not allowed to be currency. So, yeah, so all these people are running around the country thinking they're stuck with, uh, you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. They're not stuck at all. They just don't understand that it's a political choice for them, and no court can uh, can abrogate. No court can abrogate it. Miranda versus Arizona. No court can abrogate your rights. And your right under mm-hmm. Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1, is to use nothing but gold and silver in payment of debts. And that's what they're calling it. They're calling you a debtor in the UCC code. Mm-hmm. So if you're a debtor, you owe a debt. So now it's up to you. It's your choice. I can show you laws from 1820 that says that uh, it's got to be by mutual consent. Mutual right. means... You you and them. If you don't consent to it, guess what? You don't pay it. You're not a party. You don't have to pay. You can pay it and get, tell them, say, I'll pay it in gold and silver. Can you accept gold and silver? They can't. You just give them a promise to pay and tell them to hold on to it until Congress gets their act straight and makes uh, puts something into circulation that you can agree to politically. And right. they'll be happy to pay and, it. And again, that's where the HJR 192, Public Law 97, or... Uh, yeah, yeah. Public the public law ninety ninety two seventy or uh, ninety seven ten. Ninety seven two eighty. No, ninety two eighty. You're talking about the freedom of religion. Or you're talking about the uh, debt. No, 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 money, money. Uh, oh, they all Yeah, I believe the, it's. The the reason House Joint Resolution 192 70, exists is because those congressmen didn't want to get they didn't want to get hung for the right. reason to the Constitution. Right. The, but that's the why they had to allow everybody the ability to discharge and offset debts. Otherwise, what they were doing would have been treason, right? Because they're doing something that nobody else has a right to do, and it was conferred upon them, you know, to profit from. A trust, and and that would have been treason, exactly. So when you go in, you sense. give them very specific instructions as to how they need to discharge this debt against that account. You could do the same exact thing. When what Ed's saying is that you could say by saying that when Congress gets it together, you know, I'll pay you in in uh, money of exchange. In the meantime, we're dealing with money of account and discharge and offset, and this is how you get your account credited for what I'm discharging or what I'm offsetting. And you send that into yeah. the receiver, and the receiver has to do their job. That's the Secretary of the Treasury. <laughs> it just give them a promise to pay, you know, as soon right. as it's no longer a political question. Yep. There's nothing they can do. They're stuck. Yeah. Hey, um, I, if... You know, I'd I'd like to, if possible, get John's and and uh, add your uh, any in for your documents or anything. I, I've been fairly successful with discharging debt, um, but I, I have a couple of things going on right now. I've gotten rid of student loan plus other people's student loans and stuff like that. Um, but uh, if 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 there's any way to get 
you know, any of your documents. I'll, I'll get uh, you something. You to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you could do that, David, that'd be great, or give my contact info yeah. to any of them. Yeah, uh, that's no problem. Well, one thing well, with the discussion that just took place uh, uh, under uh, the Uniform Commercial Code 9307, uh, just one thing that's interesting is uh, subsection H, location of United States. United States is located in the District of Columbia. <laughs> yep. So are all Ten the municipalities. That's so the location of the debtor. All the, yeah. all the municipalities in your state are registered in the District of Columbia, which means those municipalities which cover every square inch of your state, that's why they call them limited jurisdictions, they're all registered in the District of Columbia, which means they're all foreign to the state. Yeah, which is why when you bring your legal uh, or your religious liberty suit in that venue, they have to kick it up to the federal level as well. So, Same with the zip code. That, that's a federal zone. Yeah, yeah. No, and they, um, oh, I think Tish was talking, asking about that the other day. And so I looked up, and it actually came up in the, in the justice manual on the, on the uh, Department of Justice's website. They have the, um, the desk reference manuals for the judges, for uh, appeals. Anyway, the justice manual is there, and uh, that's also in the judge's reference manual as well, and that you can reference that uh, political zone of uh, D.C. in there as well. Yeah. One that, reason that I really like the Justice Manual is it's like a short, you know, it's like the cliff notes to all the other rules that they have out there. Yeah, it's also in the, the, the Postmaster's Manual or whatever, the DMM, whatever they yes. call it, that it's political zone. Yep. Yep. Oh, the GAO office, all of these offices have something similar. All of them have something similar. Because, again, they are supposed to be following the rules set out in the trust and or the corporation. And, uh, you know, if it's administrative, it's, it's corporate. And if it's, uh, and if it's equitable, it's your tr you know, you're dealing with the trust. Which is the hey, fact Dave, this is Tish. Can I say that? Can I say something? Absolutely. How are you? Sure. Good. How are you? I had a comment mm. in regards to um, Ginger's question. I wanted her to also look at the bill that was coming to her to see exactly what words um, that they put on there. So if it said coupon. I'm looking in the Black's Law Dictionary 6, and it says, in part, it's a written contract for payment of a sum or money on a given day. So there if it go. were me, and this happened payment. to me, uh, it's payment. So, we, it's so on, a, on a very my, minute level, to be less complicated, you just send that back. I accept. And a lot yep. of times with these vouchers or these coupons, they have like the little picture of scissors, and then they say cut here. Don't ever do that because if you're also following equity, equity, one of the maxims of law, number seven says, equity delights to do justice and not by halves. So if you want complete release, you keep it a whole piece yeah. of paper. They sent you the coupon a coupon. coupon has to be accompanied by the bill. <laughs> Thank you. And you send it back and say, I accept. And I ha yep. this worked for me. 
I, I discharged of a debt that I wasn't, I was a, a victim and now a survivor of domestic violence four years ago, and I wasn't able to pay a debt for $4,300, and I just did this last week, and they sent me a note from um, the attorney's um, desk saying they discharged the debt just because I said accept. So, I mean, it, it really is that simple that people, I think, complicate it. But you have to look at, and the IRS is one of the, the easiest debts to get relief from because if you look at the language they use on those, those bills they send you, it's very, very simple, but you have to use their words against them. Right. And Mary, acceptance is one of those UCC things. I'm going to read real quick. Um, acceptance for value is a commercial right. It's a commercial right, a remedy. Okay, that is obtained through instruments such as tax bills and violation tickets. It is a qualified endorsement or modified signature on an instrument. By accepting an instrument for value, one becomes the holder in due course of the instrument and can enforce the instrument on the issuer. As per UCC 3303, an instrument is issued or transferred for value if the instrument is issued or transferred for a promise of performance. There's your IOU. To the extent the promise has been performed, the transferee acquires a security interest or other lien in the instrument other than a lien obtained by judicial proceedings. That's other than. The instrument is issued or transferred as payment of or as security for an antecedent claim against any person whether or not the claim is due. The instrument is issued or transferred in exchange for a negotiable instrument. An IOU is, or a promissory note is a negotiable instrument. The instrument is issued or transferred in exchange for the incurring of an irrevocable obligation to a third party by the person taking the instrument. Acceptance and acceptance for value is not the same. Accepting an instrument without a qualified endorsement waives all defects, therefore may be in the instrument including the value or lack of value that comes with it. So, again, that's why you do an acceptance for value and you return it for the same value. The value is always going to be a money of account. Okay? They can claim the value, but they can't tell you what species it has to be in. So when they say $200, they're talking about a value, not money. Okay? So it could be 200 you know, 200 uh you know, hugs that I owe you, right? The bearer of this gets uh, one free hug, and here's 200 of them, and you've paid. That's actual payment. But if you're going to return it in kind, the value that they've given you is, again, federal. It's fiat. So you're returning it to them in fiat, a promise to pay. And that's offer when you offer that to them and they accept it, you have discharge based on UCC. If they, if they decline to accept it, you also have discharge because you made the offer to pay it and they said, now nah, we don't want the payment. So that's discharge as well. So whether they accept your promise to pay or not, it's still discharged. I hope that helped. But when, when they, like with what I did, uh, they just came in and took it out of my account in a way. Right. So and, then uh, you, how, how would you deal with that, Ed? Uh, well, I'll tell you, the first thing I would do 
is I would call whoever I got the uh, statement from in the mail and tell them that I don't want a statement. I need a true bill. Those are huge words in the law, true bill. Got to be a true bill. They're not sending you bills in the mail. You're, uh, uh, this goes back to Ginger. If you look on the, on the, the uh, quote-unquote bill that you got, it will say the word statement. You don't have to pay a statement lawfully. You only have to pay a bill, and it needs to be a true bill. And they're going to say, well, we don't know what you're talking about. And then you say, well, you don't know, you don't know the law. For me to pay well, some this of the- valid debt, it's got to be in a true bill. Right. The the I, thing I is, is when they, when there's a when there's a coupon attached, usually that is a bill, because when somebody presents you with the bill, they have to also provide you with the remedy. I, I did the that. Problem yeah. is, the problem is they're not presenting you with a bill; they're presenting you with a statement. Wait, Correct. That, I'm that's saying exactly that usually if there's a with my county, I I. I Go ahead, Ed. Go ahead. No, no, Chuck, go ahead. I, I just I, I did exactly that with my county, and um, they just, you know, it completely ignored it. Did you put any instructions with it? Yeah, I, I mean, I explained what a true bill was, why I needed it, and that a statement is not a true bill, and, you know, basically, you know, proof of claim, I'll gladly pay this type of thing. And... Uh, they were like, well, this is what we send out. That's okay. Send them a, notice, send them a yeah. notice of default and opportunity to cure. These are, right. again, I'm going to the say. YouTube, their own law. <laughs> yeah, their own law. I was just going to say, now you've got to deal with your administrative process, and that's the start yeah. of any administrative process. They're making a claim against you. You've got to counter your claim and, and uh, you know, counter that claim and, uh Again, make your make your argument, and and I, I I did default them in an administrative process, uh, but I just didn't push it to the court level because I I know how things go in court. Well, again, yeah, they're going to probably the money move argument. to the court eventually, and then you got the money argument with the court, which is non judicial. They can't yeah. they can't they can't adjudicate it. You, you got you got to not be afraid to go into those courts again. If you're holding all the cards, they're gonna they're gonna be afraid to deal with you because now yeah, you're on the I record. Have, the, the 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 county tax assessor is not on the record. That's why you create your administrative record. Yeah, and, and I I agree completely with you. But like I'm in Minnesota, it's non-judicial. They just you know file the paperwork and and. The sheriff well, kicks you it, off. It's property. only non right, but, and and when you're in a non-judicial state, it, it's saying basically they don't need to bring a claim to to act on you. You need to make a claim to protect your rights. Yeah, you have no, to be the one to bring bring a claim against them. You got to go into court. You got to be the plaintiff. I'd like to make a reminder here of the things we learned earlier this year that according to the 1787 Judiciary Act, the district courts have the, uh, the exclusive jurisdiction over all seizures on land. And so if somebody's making a seizure of your property and they're playing court, they don't have even jurisdiction and can be challenged at any time. There you go. Thank you. They don't care. They don't care. 
Well, and again, that's why you bring your claim against them in federal court, because they're violating federal law. And they're a, you know, they're claiming to be a, a agency for the for the government. You have to bring your claim. We're looking at uh, and, and for situations just like this, uh, we're trying to figure out if uh, at all possible to bring that claim in the military tribunal, because these people are actually committing uh, treason. They're violating their oath. They're not following their indenture. They're not acting equitably. They're acting criminally. And they think that nobody's going to call them on it because they're all in on it in a specific area. You know, I mean, I, I, it doesn't happen very often, but the, you know, I, I've seen, you know, in the last five years, a couple of times where the Fed comes in, shuts down the police department, shuts down the city council, shuts down all of that for violating the Constitution and people's rights. And people had enough of it. So it does happen. It just doesn't happen very often because most people are, are too afraid to bring it to court. You got to be willing to go the distance. You can, you know, you don't want to be, you know, known as the dog that doesn't bark either or, or that only barks and doesn't bite. I, May I? You know, I, 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 yes, if somebody is. Who is somebody yeah. like to add something? If, yeah. If um, I could. Uh, I'd like to ask you, Dave, uh, you say you've seen that in years past. Do you have any uh, further information on that? What, 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 what is that you're talking about? Well, you said that you, you've seen where um, what you just said that. Oh, where uh, the towns have been shut down by the federal government? Yeah. Yeah, um, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find because it's there's only a few cases. You're not going to find a bunch, but I've seen. I, I, I tend to remember about two or three of them in the last five years. Where even even, even one of them, so I could research it. Sure, uh, shoot me an email and I'll and I'll take a look and see what I can find for you. Okay, well I'll be shooting you an email on a few other things as well. Um, by the way, this is my new. I'll send you my new phone number, too. Now, w one other thing, on this process of discharging the debts with the coupon and everything, could people that have uh, credit cards discharge a debt, and would that be something one would do every month? That's called offset. That's called offset. So in, in, in bankruptcy, you've got discharge which if you had a loan and you wanted to be done with it, you discharge it. It's gone. It's no longer there. Offset is where you've got a recurring debt and it zeroes out every billing cycle. Well, is that something someone would do every month? I mean, would, wouldn't that give them an opportunity to cancel your credit card? Um, no, because at that point, it's offsetting it back to zero. It's paying the balance, the outstanding balance. You could even say you know, offset it back to $40 so that there's always an open balance, which keeps your card open. And oh, you can I do see. it monthly. Hey, David. You can do it monthly, or you could set it up, in a, you know, to pay so much so in advance. Well, David, and then I, they just credit. I've, I have personal experience with this. Who's that? And this is Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. And um, 
uh, I have personal experience with this, and uh, the the answer that he, David is saying is, yeah, that's absolutely correct and to the letter of the law and everything else. But what happens is if you end up finding yourself in a court that catches wind of this, especially um, in any type of judicial system, in, in Illinois, my brother actually had a similar situation on that, and um, they they rose, there a lot of questions were risen about the um, uh, the method of discharging, and they the court added, you know, acted completely ignorant of it all, and then they did their own private investigation, and involving credit cards and everything else, and the credit cards just rolled over and said, nope, they didn't pay anything, even though everything was successfully discharged uh, multiple times over and over and over again, and then the court just came down uh, on my brother, arrested him, U.S. Marshals, everything. Um, did he have his evidence? Oh yeah. But what uh, did, they, did they did they did he enter it into the case file? Well, you know, there's 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 entering things into the case file and then things getting lost. It's amazing how things like that happen. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, it happens all I the mean, time. But then again, they, 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 they you have to hold them to railroad them, and it's it's a it's a very nasty fight once they once they get their sights on you. Um, they will bring up each and everything that you've you've brought up in the past that you've done, and as far as any one of these methods, and they will try to nail you with all of them. So if you don't know 100% certain of what you're doing, how you're doing, to be able to defend it, and be even willing to go to jail, and then to be able to not have any resources to have anybody be able to reach out to you and anybody whatsoever, unless you have an attorney, um, I'm telling you, it becomes very very difficult, and it is not. A, a something I would recommend for well, somebody who is when you are in jail and you and and uh, you can always have uh, two people could see you in jail at any time your lawyer and your minister. Yeah. I prefer, I'll tell you the case I prefer, I prefer the one that's going to talk truth to me. I'd like yeah, to add right. in going back away from when I was talking earlier and we brought up you know going to federal court. I mean, I sued Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance, uh, which is basically a big subdivision of Bear Stearns. And, right. uh, you know, I, I went into federal court, and, you know, I'm, I'm no expert with court, but I'm better than 99% of the local population. And <laughs> I could not get one thing filed correctly, and it doesn't mean going to a hearing. It was just... You you got to file certain things, or or you you don't get anything done, and uh, everything was rejected. Yeah, you were yeah. filing as a pro pro per, or did you file pro per? Yes. Okay. Uh, the 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 uh, the issue there is substance over form, and as a pro per, they have to adhere to it, but you have to let them know that they have to adhere to it, and the case law. I did that. The Supreme case law for that is National Railroad versus Wallace. Yep, I did that. And and they still rejected your paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I mean, it that, also that law says I, they can't reject it. They, they, but it has to follow the court rules exactly. I, I and I don't remember. About that. Let me tell you something, partner. The court rules are for attorneys. They're not for state citizens. 
those rules only apply to attorneys. I, I I agree with you completely, but what I'm what I'm getting at is with the the overall discussion here. It's like, well, then you take them to federal court. It's like, well, if you haven't studied this stuff for a very long time or have very competent help, um, you know, I, I've been in this for quite a while, and you know, it's uh, it, if you don't know every in and out, you're, you're going to get screwed. Have you tried okay. this, Chad? Have you tried this? You can also use uh, the religious liberty to not use the court and choose to use a, a third-party private uh, arbitrator. I, I, I did not do that. Um, you know, I, I went with the, uh, you know, whatever it is, the, the freedom or free justice thing. I, I forget what it was, but, you know, you're supposed to be able yeah, to gain justice. Yeah, yeah, they rejected that. I feel yeah, because when you go in is in in Proporus, what's going on? They're saying you're a pauper, and who knows if you're going to tell the truth, right? Because you own no substance, and that's what they're looking at. And they say that if you go in that way, utilizing that status, that the judge has the right to decide whether or not your case is going to be heard, and they're always going to rule against you. Yeah, and they, they they took my case, and I mean even you know my name sure, they was. They take lit. the case, they make you feel good, and the judge looks at it and goes, eh, you know, this is a frivolous claim, or the other side's going to come back and it's going to say that a claim that that you know there could be no uh, uh, way to remedy, basically. Yeah, it it was all about uh, process and procedure. It was like, oh, this sure. wasn't followed, that wasn't followed, so it's rejected. Well, if it's and for Chad, that, you, you always to... have the right to amend your claim. They shouldn't have rejected it totally. They should have given you a condition. You know, you can always bring back your claim should you want to, you know, in the right, you know, in, in the right process. Yeah. Not only that. Uh, 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 ask for a more de a definitive statement. If they just reject it, write them, petition them back and say, why was it rejected so I have an opportunity to cure the problem and uh, reissue my paperwork? You always have that right. Yep. What's it called, Daniel? Uh, 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 asking for a more definitive statement? I know it's not a declaratory statement, but... Uh, you got a declaratory judgment. Right to know why it was rejected and how you can correct it. If you don't ask for that right front beforehand, yeah. they will deny you that uh, forevermore, at least here in California. Well, they say that. They say that, but again, you know, they have to, have, they have to give you the opportunity to, to you know, to, to be hurt. And they, and they can't keep you out because... You don't have a lawyer that's been trained in their processes. Right. I just filed a proof of service here in California on my own form, not using their uh, fictitious boxing forms. And uh, I forgot to put my own address and telephone number on the proof of service. And so the clerk mm -hmm. called me and said, come back and pick up your proof proofs of services. We are rejecting them at this point. Um, 
because you didn't put your name on them. So I just ran down to the clerk and I put my name on it and gave it back to her. She goes, well, I've attached the correct proof of service if you would like to fill that out instead. So the word <laughs> trickery there was if you would like to fill out the correct, I said that is not the correct proof of service and I would not like to fill that out. And I said, please take this and she took it. And then I checked yep. the case index online and it said uh, the proof of service showed up right after my affidavit. So it's the watching for that. If they reject it, and I, I was sharing, and I didn't mean to take over the call, but I was sharing this with Dave. I um, filed my affidavit into my family law case, and I printed out the felony tampering with material evidence paperwork because I didn't have it memorized in my head when I went into the clerk's office, but I know these guys are dirty dead sticks. So I wanted to make sure that they didn't, you know, put their corrupt ways on me, and I accidentally <laughs> handed them the paper that said um, fellow felony tampering with material evidence where they weren't going to file it, but then they're like, oh, crap, look, she has this, you know, they knew that I didn't mean to give them that part, but when they came back to the window, they said, we'll be happy to go ahead and file this for you. So you just have to be ready for their bull crap. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you just got, you know, again, this they're coming at you, you know, with, with guns blazing. And, and most people will stand there like a deer in the headlights, frozen, not knowing what to do. Knowing what to do is only part of it. Having the, the, the courage to stand up to these people who are nothing more than people. They breathe, they go to the bathroom, they eat, they do all the same things that you do. And they have a little bit of power, and it goes to their head, and they claim they're God. You know? <laughs> when you start asking them questions, pieces of their, their costume start to fall off. And, and then eventually they're standing there naked. And, you know, nothing to hide. The fraud's exposed. And, you know, you can walk out of there, you know, standing tall. And you should walk into there standing tall because, again, these people hide behind their offices – like the Wizard of Oz, screaming and hollering and the flashing lights, and, you know, they seem real scary, you know. But uh, you know the truth. They're people. They're, 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 they're acting in fraud. So, again, and I mean, it's, get, yes, it's, it's I, getting a lot worse, too. I went absolutely. Blatant. I went, this, I went into Superior Court a couple of months ago, to, to do a financial affidavit or power of attorney on my mother. And I went into the superior clerk's office of the superior court of my county, and I told her I needed a competent officer to notarize this financial power of attorney for me. She said, we can't do that. And I said, what are you talking about you can't do that? And she said, well, we only do that for attorneys. And I know wow. as soon as she said it, it hit me the wrong way, and I said, wait a minute. I'm standing in the middle of a government municipal office that my taxes right. pay for, and you're telling me you're here to serve me, not attorneys. And she <laughs> said, well, that's just our rules. If it has nothing to do with the Superior Court, we can't notarize anything. And I said, well, I'm filing it in the Superior Court. Doesn't that make, make it where it has something to do with the court? And she said, well, those are just our rules. And I said, exactly. Those are your rules. They're not my rules. Now, find me a competent officer 
that can notarize my financial power of attorney. Well, and yeah, she's saying not. what she was saying logically is, nope, you can't come in here on your own. You need an officer of the court to represent you. That's exactly what she's saying. Well, she and was saying ridiculous. it to the wrong man. Of course. <laughs> because you're going to stand right there in their face and say, you know what, I'm not going nowhere until this happens. So you know, I'll tell you why they're doing it. I'll tell you why they're doing that, too. He had spoken about the court being a, um, you know, um, adversarial to him, and he's tried this and he's tried that, and I empathize with him and have seen much of it. As I met other people, one of them on this call, and saw how tenacious he was in, uh, uh, to, um, to, to go to the next level, I realized that we stop sometimes short of winning. We stop in that battle. And we we look to say, boy, they can't do that, but they will. But there's um, I I've discovered something. I want to throw it into the mix here. And I've been talking to both Ed and Dave, and some of you. I think I might have mentioned to you on this call before about the declaratory Uniform Declaratory Judgment Act. And we're dealing with this very instance right here. It says any person interested under a deed, will, written contract, or other writings constituting a contract, or whose rights status, or other legal relations are affected by a statute, municipal ordinance, contract, or franchise may have determined any question of construction or validity arising under the instrument, statute, ordinance, contract, or franchise, and obtain a declaration of rights, status, or other legal relations thereunder. And so franchise, just for a, just a quick cursory look, and I'm sure there's going to be better ones. I didn't do it in black. But it's the privilege of right granted by law, especially the right to vote in the election of public officials, a special privilege given by governments to a corporation or an individual to engage in a particular activity using public facilities, especially to provide a public service such as transportation or communications. But what I'm trying to get you here is when, when they try to enforce these laws upon us that we know are for the attorneys and they bar us, that's what the Bar Association does, it seems to bar a remedy, when they bar us from these um, activities, we do have um, certain provisions that can take it to the next level, and I believe we should, and we fall short of making those um, state those um, um, act actions that show, hey, okay, you're barring me from what I believe to be my right, and you're affecting me under this franchise, and I need a declaratory judgment to question the construction or the validity rising from underneath this, whatever it is you're claiming, that I have, so I can obtain a declaration of right status or other legal relations thereunder. So that's just a remedy that makes to your Bible as your as your uh, indenture as well. Well, that's another great way. So you have we have we have remedies, and I do agree with you, Chad. I have seen the insurmountable arrogance of these people in my neck of the woods. I live in the Missouri Arkansas area, and they um, if you go to the um, uh, the anti-government movement handbook, where they wrote about how to, how to handle people, they put a, a big push in against the people in Missouri and Arkansas, and so their court system is way lopsided against us. So I understand what you're saying. And there are other places where it might be a little freer, but it's really a tough battle here, and they seem like they throw everything against you when you try to bring them into federal court. But I just went the next step. I decided I stopped too early. I agree with Dave. You have to take it to the next level. And if that's not big enough, take it to the next level. Somewhere up the chain, you'll find up the chain. You'll find that you'll have so many due process violations on the record 
and affidavits that they're unanswered and due process violations, someone's going to question you or what's going to take to have you settled because they realize that you're trailing along behind you all these due process violations and somebody's going to have to answer for them. Anyway, yeah, I and each and every one of them, each and every one of them should answer for, and that's where you can attach uh, a bill of pains and particular uh, pains and penalties. You know, again, you're you're able to go after these people's bonds for acting in in a way that's not trustworthy, and and uh, hold them to their oath, bring them into that equity side, and and have them, uh, you know, removed from that position of trust. You know, I, I agree with you, Daniel. And you, but again, my my point goes back to, and I, I didn't have as much knowledge three years ago as I do now, thanks to all kinds of guys like you guys that are on the call, John, Ed, Dave, Daniel. Uh, you know, and I'm very appreciative of all that. Um, but it it's still, it's such a difficult fight when it's like, okay, that got rejected. How do I find out why and how can I file a, a correction, you know, within the certain amount of time when you're working for a living and all that? Um, you know, it's just, it, it's difficult. It, that's all I'm getting at. I don't disagree with anybody. I, it is difficult. I, I, put out a, I put out, I wrote up a notice, Minnesota's tough, on with the COVID things, and uh, I wrote up a notice uh, to the local sheriffs to try and get uh, local numbers together. And uh, I, I know a notice doesn't need a signature, but I, I started that notice, and within three hours, I had four other or three other counties, four total, uh, surrounding me with people that were uh, going to go out and get signatures. Uh, that approve of the notice to their local sheriff. And I think they're getting mailed out probably Monday or Tuesday uh, just on, on the violations of all the shutdowns and everything. Uh, you know. And they need to be put on notice. I mean, they're killing people's jobs. They're doing all these different things to harm others, uh, claiming that they're trying to help uh, without any evidence of there being an issue to begin with. But... Um, <laughs> Again, the system is corrupt. It's illegitimate at this point. And, and I really like the, uh, the idea of the declaratory judgment um, because that right there forces them now to, you know, define who's, who has what rights <laughs> and take notice of the rights that you put into the record. So it's it's a great way to, to deal with them. And, again, all these different things that we've talked about tonight are, you know, they're going to get resistance, and they have gotten resistance. I tried A for B. Forget tried it. I was using it back in 89 through about 91. And uh, I had no issues, but we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have a lot of other people doing it, and they were just following along. Had a... a we had this great salesperson, this girl come from uh, from the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Great salesperson. I even, I even tried to hire her. But uh, <laughs> she talked my wife and myself into getting the Encyclopedia Britannica set with everything, you know, and it came out to, you know, three thirty eight hundred dollars and with taxes and insurance and all that, or taxes and, and uh, interest, you know, you're talking over five grand. 
Well, they sent the, the first bill with a, with a coupon, because back then it was coupon books. So they sent you a coupon book. I pulled out the first one, and I accepted it for value, and I returned it for value and followed uh, what I was learning 30 years ago about it. And the very next month, I get a letter back from them saying, hey, thank you for your payment in full. Enjoy your encyclopedias. So, I mean, it was working, bills, all of that. Um, because of the Internet, a lot of people have been trying to do this, and it would literally set the system right and, and keep these people from being able to extort and steal from the system. They call, it gets that accountability back. There's no true record right now because, you know, because they haven't allowed anybody to discharge debt the way their own law says it needs to be. So, may again, I? you're going to – please. Man, this is really a good, a good conversation tonight. I thank everybody on the call. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't been able to get on the call for several weeks due to phone issues, and uh, it, it's really uplifting uh, to hear you all speaking on topics of interest to me and beneficial. And um, I'd like to make a few comments about um, this business with that um, man saying about not having too much knowledge and it being uh, time, some things are timely and you go through, you go down the, the, that road thinking you're going to find some remedy and release because they got to do their job and they're not doing it and it's wearing you out, that's one of the things in the art of war is to wear the other party out. So yeah. when I found that out, I decided, oh, it ain't happening. Even before I found that out, it wasn't happening. Um, I felt <laughs> that there was serious injury and harm to um, a family member. And I went every which way. And I had a lot of good direction and uh, angels, I call my teachers and my mentors, you know, which uh, I, people I met along the way <clears throat> after praying for the way to be shown to me, uh, and it was, little by little, and for good reason I know now. But all of the ones that have, what you all have been doing with your strategies and your approaches and testing this out and testing that out and learning something different and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's been a way I feel that the so-called enemy has been held off a little bit. They've held us off a little bit. But we, we are pioneers, and uh, we, are, we are who we are. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep going until we get recognized. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm, getting, I'm getting to make a point on that. Um, I, in my studies, it was miraculous the way I got connected. But when I got connected, I was, I've been five years at this. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a youngster anymore. And um, uh, I, I have done homeschooling. And so I decided it doesn't stop. I taught my, my youngins that life is a school. You're always in school to learn, no matter who you are or what your age is, you know. So anyway, uh, it's been a long five years. And in the past year, 
it was a godsend. I got this connection, and as I was downloading everything I could get on it, because I thought this is almost too good to be true, and it was, I was sponging it up and going over these uh, so-called, to me, they were lessons. And at one point, it, I had like six windows open and downloading from the same place and uh, doing a lot of brainstorming. And all of a sudden, I heard, I heard one of them I was listening to as the others were downloading. Um, I heard the gentleman say um, something that what was just, it struck so home with me, a light went on. And I stopped for a moment and I said a quick prayer. God, I, you know, I'm so tired. I, I, I know I can rely on your strength to carry me. The angels will carry me. But this stuff sounds too good to be true. And if it is, uh, I hate to ask, but could I please get a sign? Could I please get a sign from you that I'm not going down another rabbit hole? And within less than a minute, this gentleman stopped what he was saying, just stopped cold what he was saying and says, oh, by the way, my nickname is Bull. And the family <laughs> member I'm speaking of that I've been working so diligently on their behalf, their nickname is Bull. So how much better verification or sign could I have gotten, right? <laughs> I had to replay it three times that that quick I got my sign. And the subject that I found interesting, most interesting, and have been on a course of mastering and even applying the, the steps to this new way, because it is a new way, it is another game changer, but this one I feel is ironclad. I think it has some kind of divine assistance or energy in it. That's just how That's I believe. Right. So anyway, um, I tried this process about a year ago uh, this week. I sent a, a unilateral uh, conditional acceptance for offer contract to government people all the way from the municipality county all the way up to the United States Attorney General and the contract was most unique um, I got the idea from another man who had used this contract and there was a public law passed uh, with his name it was read twice on the congressional floor. It was sponsored by Rand Paul. And um, so anyway, in this contract, and, and I, I know there's probably most on the call already know this. I was one of the latecomers to find it out, and I like to share it in case there's somebody else out there like me. <laughs> sure. the, 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 the big corporations internationally use arbitration for dispute remedies yes. and there's different they've got it broke down to different kinds of arbitration the one I'm going to like to uh, offer and Binding. share is the, is the Federal Arbitration Act 
1925, Chapter 9. If you have a claim that's valued over 75000 call it dollars or credits or whatever, 75000 you can invoke the Federal Arbitration Act. And when you make them an when you make them a, a unilateral conditional acceptance offer, what I did the first thing because it's the first step in due process is challenge jurisdiction. You enter a, a writ of Koran non Judas, and this contract is so well laid out and written out, they they have nowhere to turn. They have nowhere to turn. They will end up breaching the contract as they did. And in the contract, it was stated, if they breach the contract, I get to choose the arbitrator. And anyone can be an arbitrator under the Federal Arbitration Act. Anyone. You don't need a high school graduation. You just have to know certain things that you have to know who you are, that you're a, 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 a man or, or a woman of, of um, reputable reputation, you're biased and fair, and that any hearing brought before you, you will follow the laws uh, under common law, common law jurisdiction. Facts. Think about that a minute. Right. It takes it out of all of their courts. And right. that's what the big corporations do. The, the big corporations do that. They want, their thing is they want to take it out of the courts. Well, guess what, folks? So do we. So do I. And I yep. did. And I was awarded this within a year, and it could be a speedier process. It could be a speedier process if others want to jump on board with it. How do we, how do we get a copy of it, sweetie? Who's asking? This is Ed from Georgia. Uh, let me think on that a minute, Ed. You could send it to me and I can send it to Ed, no problem. This con- I've already sent one to Dave, and, he, and I was going to email you and ask you if you had a chance to go over it and tell me what you thought. Yep, and that was a few weeks ago, and I'm sorry I haven't had the time. That's okay. Uh, Last week I was sick. No, I'm glad you brought it up here. No, I'm glad you brought it up on the show because I have been meaning to look at it, and uh, you know it's definitely something that that would benefit this group on here and my listeners. That uh, you know, again, this is another way to get things out of the courts, and uh, that's the kind of things that we're looking for. Um, so it's definitely on my mind. Uh, if you don't mind, I will send it to Ed and to Daniel if you would like one as well. Or uh, uh, anybody no, else, is it, is it okay to share it with the group? If no, I, not, uh, not, excuse not, me. Not. I, I, I apologize. I need to interrupt you for a minute before you get much no further. No um, where I'm at, Where I'm at right now in the process is that I have – taken on nearly a whole state of officials from the bottom up and the United States government. And I sent them out a bill this past week for the damages awarded. 
um, I let the, I let them know and gave them direction in case they put this in the trash somewhere <laughs> that there is a January 8, 2019 Supreme Court decision by which the Supreme Court was getting sick and tired of being sick and tired of hearing all these cases come before them where the courts were trying to say, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that and you don't do that, you don't have to, and all kinds of crap. And the Supreme Court said it was a unanimous vote. And if you want to read the opinion of Judge Kavanaugh, it was great. But basically the Supreme Court stated under no Absolutely no condition whatsoever may the courts fool around with trying to touch an arbitration award being confirmed in a district court. They must confirm it. The only way, and there is an exception, of course, is if they can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if they can prove that the arbitrator was in some way in the wrong, according to the Federal Arbitration Act. Okay. And they're not going to even try because of the way that contract is written. It's an expressed, irrevocable, binding, and enforceable contract. It covers all of it. Your money, yeah. you name it. Yeah, it covers it all. It's very, but I'll have to get with you um, as far as giving permission. Right now, I had a sensitive part, and um, yeah. I know that once this uh, gets out, and we see, I think what they did with the first guy that did this, I think he was under some kind of an agreement that this could be dangerous to the public. Right. It, could, it, 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 it would hurt their finances, but they were going to use on the, they were going to use the umbrella that they would agree. And and because it was the first time, there were some some things in there that got improved, taken to another level by another man. They they came their information blended together. Sealed the coffin shut. Okay. Do you have the name so, of the case in 2019? Do you remember the name yeah. of the, the case in 2019? Uh, Christopher Bradley Starch. We owe him credit, much credit. Uh, he paved the way. He, he was in a federal penitentiary, and he was a genius mind. Uh, I, I, somebody said he was in there for um, extorting or something like that. I thought, man, he's got to have a genius mind to put this thing together. And then I got a little background on him. And don't believe everything you hear on this on this subject, because you cannot find or get your hands on a copy of the public law uh, 114, Christopher Bradley Stark. They, I think they've done sealed it. I think they done sealed it, but I have a copy of it. They didn't know that before they sealed it, other people had gotten copies before they made them unavailable to the public. <laughs> you could probably so, get it in a FOIA request, but 
Big Rap, if you have a copy, if you have a copy, I'd like to have a copy of that as well. Well, I'd be willing to send you everything I have on, on arbitration. But when it comes to that contract, it has my uh, family member's your name personal on it. Information. Yeah, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hand out anything with your personal info on it. Uh, well, when I, when I, you I, have a chance, I, though, if you could clear look, all your information out and, like, clean look, the document. Look, I, I know that some may be anxious to hear more on this. I know I was. Um, I have, I have, uh, I can send, uh, copies that you'll have to fill in some blanks, like your own contract number and some other stuff. And then don't, don't change it too much at all. Because if you try to change it a little bit, you could be, uh, now you still, um, yeah, just don't change it a little bit, but it has to be a contract that you write, you write up, but I can send you kind of a template. Uh, wing, yeah, wing, be... a, a template yeah. and the steps that I've done so far, I would suggest everyone uh, learn more about the Federal Arbitration Act. Forget about what the states say. Uh, forget about what the courts have said. Just don't look to that side or the other. Just go gun ho on learning more about the Federal Arbitration Act. Know it. Know it well. And then you'll learn the process. Of 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 uh, the, the the information I'll be sending you, I can share with you the process I've already gone through, and I followed the same model process with Christopher Bradley Stark. The only thing I'm coming up against now is that they're not listening to me; they're totally ignoring me. They 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 just they don't want to talk to me, and it's like okay, so I'm that on my agenda this week to call. Um, a U.S. senator representative, and because he has the authority and the jurisdiction, I would like him to check into the status of what's going on at the top, because I've been barred from any communication to have this debt settled. And um, uh, so they so they violated the the uh, the act. Almost. At the district court level, um, the, no, they didn't. Just they didn't. Well, did they? Just, well, let me think on that a minute. No. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yes and no because the act says that they have to go by what the arbitrator says, and the arbitrator said certain terms and conditions. He gave us everything that we wanted in that contract. And by the way, these contracts can be altered a little bit for any kind of dispute that you happen to be having, no matter who it is, your neighbor or, uh, you know, George or Sally or Jim down the street or somebody mm -hmm. that holds themselves out to be a government official. Right. They waived all their rights in this contract. They can be not only held accountable on their official capacity, they can also be held uh, liable on their private capacity. Right. And it says they, can't, they can be sued. <laughs> so this is a way in, the, in that it would be done through arbitration, which means that you're keeping the courts out of it anyway. Right. But the thing is, we do not have, uh, we do not have a network yet set up for arbitrators. We need a roster of, of um, people who have knowledge and experience 
uh, somewhat with commercial law, commerce, not too much, uh, and contract, mostly contract law, and not too much, and uh, mostly unilateral contracts, and not too much. And um, uh, 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 common law. Yeah. Well, common law is whatever a man says it is. Right. And that's the thing and jurisdiction before. is what arises from a contract. Exactly. 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 And so an arbitrator that has, um, pe- has people who have breached a contract and were given a three-day opportunity to cure a default notice at 72 hours, and they don't answer that, and so um, you, you obtain the assistance of an arbitrator, and the arbitrator's job would be to send out a notice for a hearing to appear on Skype, and uh, they have an opportunity to attend, like it's going to do them any good at this point. And so um, because you, you, have, you have sent out the contract flat rate mail priority to each and every party. Anyway, I, I can explain more of that process on down yeah, the road. Yeah, I'd like to see more about that. Hey, did yeah. you have something to say? I know you were trying to jump in there. Well, no, yeah, I, just, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to startle her. I was just going to say if I could see a copy of the contract, I could tell yeah, her why you, I think it works or why it wouldn't what, work or what, they, what, what the weak what, part of the argument is. Well, yeah, there like what she's saying, there is no weak part because I can tell you something right now. When they tell you that uh, it could be dangerous for the public, that's government code words for we can't allow this to get out. That's why yep. they sealed it. That's why they sealed it. And I don't care. They want to seal it. Hey, go ahead and seal it. But I have damages coming. I have terms and conditions from a breach contract that need to be met. And you're, you're already, it was, the, you know what the arbitrator said? Because I think the arbitrator might have, might have known I might have been getting some crap from them after they get their award. And the arbitrator said if they even try to argue or there's any backlash or anything at all, and I report it back to him, he will ten times the amount of the damages. And I'm trying to be real nice about this. I'm trying to be extra nice about this and peaceful because the amount of the damages are mind-blowing. And, um, and so I'm trying to be peaceful and get some. I just need somebody to talk to you to find out how do you want to settle this debt. And, oh, you want me to keep my mouth shut about it? Okay, fine. Once I sign the piece of paper from that point forward, I'll keep my mouth shut about it. Until then, we need to work out a payment plan. And even before that, there was a term and condition in there for the release of my son from prison for wrongful incarceration. Hey, Dave, and and your guest there, I have been following people just like I follow um, things that Dave does and John does, and I I just recently put John and Ed together because I found that, and uh, actually we have quite a... uh, quad group there that seems to have made its way, but I have some friends of mine that have been doing the arbitration um, process, and uh, they're keeping me abreast of where they're going with it, but my question was, 
have you already made your maritime claim in the United States District Court? Because uh, I know that's one of the steps is a combined verified claim, petition to compel arbitration, petition for injunctive relief, and incorporated affidavit memorandum of law was one of the steps that they were um, attempting to close the matter through the United States District Court. I was wondering if you had gotten that far. Well, uh, I, I followed some of what you were saying, but when you, got, when you started talking about statutory stuff, I said, no, I ain't going down that road. There's nothing... There's no statute that can touch this. The Federal Arbitration Act is the only way to go. And yes, there does need to be, it needs to come from what I call the private side back over into the public side so that the, the public will know that this is enforceable. It gets enforced on the public side. And so I am in the process of drafting. It's like my 10 or 20th draft already because I want to make sure I've got my eyes dotted and my T's crossed. It's a new thing, and I'm a work in progress, and I don't want to make any mistakes, so I keep asking for that divine guidance, you know. Anyway, um, uh, I'm in the process of drafting uh, several things, has to uh, uh, be attached when I make an application for confirmation in a district court. And because the parties involved are in different territories or jurisdictions, whatever you want to call it, um, I, um, I can file it in any district court. Some no, states, jurisdiction. Right. Uh, that's what it says. So, so, um, any district court will do. Um, I've had to get uh, templates to give me a, 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 a jump, not to give me a start on how to do my drafting to make sure I have um, keeping it short and sweet and to the point, simple. And then um, uh, I also have to attach. Uh, I'm, I'm still researching that and making calls for questions. A U.S. Marshal will serve it, um, but I need more information on that. I'm gathering that. And uh, for enforcement, uh, also, I need um, the, a Marshal will serve notice for this hearing. So the, that, when you serve notice for the hearing, and that's attached with your application for confirmation, it gives that judge jurisdiction. So, uh, supposedly, so far what I know. So, um, then I also have to send a copy of the contract, a copy of the award, and um, uh, I'm not sure about the enforcement, if that would be a U.S. Marshal or a Sheriff. The, I'd have to contact a bunch of sheriffs, and the ones I've contacted, they don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, so they're ignoring me. So that's why I'm going to make a call to the um, uh, senator, hopefully in the next day or so, uh, and uh, he's not biased because he's from the same hometown that, I'm, that I raised my kids in. <laughs> I found that out. It's like, oh, great. Let's see what kind of man he is. I, I've been calling back home to find out what the background is on this guy, so uh, I might better know uh, how to approach him and uh, – and, and getting him to uh, somebody needs to get on this because it's 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 really needs to be settled. 
uh, I'm trying to keep it private as much as possible. Um, but you know, if I have to, I have they're having to do what they're having to do. I guess I will too. You know, it's fair. Uh, they they then left me with no remedy. I didn't right. think I had a remedy or relief, and I found it. And now they don't want to give it to me. It's like what? Okay, well you know you're getting penalized every day. This is occurring. Yeah. So anyway, listen. The the gentleman that would like to have a copy of a template. Um, if you would like, how do you feel about sharing your email? And I'll email you a copy. Well, I think if everybody on this call's already got my email anyway. Yeah, if you send if you send it to me, I'll get it to Ed, and then uh, if you don't mind, I mean, I can send him your email address as well. And this way, if he has any questions, he can reach out to you. Okay, that that sounds like it might work. Um, Dave, you keep the copy I sent you with the personal stuff on it. Yeah, uh, and, I'll keep that. Part. Yeah, don't share that unless I okay it, please. Yes, absolutely. And as far as the other copies I'll be sending you, you can forward them to whomever you choose. Well, there you go. If anybody's interested in this topic, you can reach out to me once I get them. Uh, We'll put it out there. uh, I'll tell you why I like the idea. Because right now, John and I are trying to put these – I don't know if Chris and Jessica's on the line, but I think I heard Johnny Johnny earlier from California. But what's happened, dear, is they've taken their kids, they've seized their kids, uh, the CPS unit, out in California. And what we're trying to do is yank them out of the family court in California where they're getting railroaded so that we can go to some different type of arbitration. And I know enough about the act that you mentioned earlier, the Federal Arbitration Act, that if you can put the petition in, that they have to stop the process in the lower court, it all stops. So that's why I was so interested in it. I I appreciate that, and I would love to be a part of that. Um, The contract, if you have any questions when you get it, and look it over good, and you'll have to read it more than once. It's 106 pages. And there's 515 proofs of claim. And um, then there's the caveat, and then there's the explanation about arbitration as an alternative uh, resolution uh, remedy. It's an alternative administrative remedy. Remedy, Um, And when when you get that, it can be tweaked up a little bit. Um, But here's the thing. If this... Not if, as this takes takes root, um, there there's going to need to be arbitrators for the practice to go through more more smoothly and quickly for those that are hurting so terribly, uh, like families being torn apart in one yes. way or the other. Separated. Absolutely, and that's what we're trying to stop. Uh, yeah, we, we've got enough people that we can find arbitrators, you know, for these types of situations for well, sure. Someone, some, someone's going to need to set up a rouster where people can um, uh, um, uh, hold themselves out, their service out as an independent arbitrator, independent arbitrator until we can maybe get uh, an arbitration company going. 
in different locations. But for now, I believe it would help to have uh, people uh, look at uh, qualifications of an arbitrator and then ask yourself questions, would you think you would qualify? And if you think you could qualify and be enough and you want to uh, sign up, sign up to be on the roster. You can name certain things like your, you know, a little of your background or whatever you feel like doing and whatever your service fees are because there will be a, some cost with sending out some paperwork, not, you know, not just the, the overhead expenses, but to try to keep the cost as, as pay it forward, pay it forward. Kind of thing, and cool. uh, and and where some could and some can't, you know, it's teamwork for the dream work. No doubt. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, sharing that. Go ahead. Just Ed. to tell her, just to tell her, David, uh, she should get a copy of my, my mandamus that I sent out to everyone, as far as the sheriff, the local sheriff, because yes. in the header page it has the address of every common law grand jury in every state, and I'm sure that those people would know how to find an arbitrator very quickly. Absolutely. I will uh, get that the other off thing, <laughs> The other thing was, if I could just get her, even though I heard her say that they've uh, covered it up, Public Law 114, I just need the last part of that site so that I could just research it. Do oh, you know what the okay, whole number hold is? On. Okay. Hold on okay. a second. Hold, hold on just a second. Okay. Uh, it just so happens I might have that right handy on my desktop. Let me get my glasses out. Obviously, if they've covered it up, uh, I would love to see that if you feel like sending it with the generic paperwork. I would love to see what a copy you? of that bill. Okay. Um uh, I'll 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 include that in the things I'll I'll send you, Dave. Okay, sounds good. Thank thank you so much. And one thing I want to tell you, sweetie, I'm a Christian, and I prayed for knowledge and discernment for three years before God smacked me in the face with it. And uh, I'm right on board with what you're doing. I mean, that, that, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help others. That's yeah. I, I live in service of others. Just so you know. Well, it sounds like you got the walk to go with the talk since hearing you on this call tonight. <laughs> judges, and, and uh, I, can tell you, I can tell you, I don't know if what I'm doing is right, but I can tell you that judges and state bar attorneys hate my guts, so I must be doing something <laughs> right. Well, I, well, I, I, I you know lawyers. what? <laughs> I got, I, I'd like to share this with you. Um, uh, I... I I've approached this whole thing in peace. When when they kidnapped my son, my only son, I was bound and determined to get him back and to hold them accountable because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And um, when I saw a video of what they had done to him in an emergency room hospital, a shackles with hands and feet, and forced forced themselves on him, I wanted to throw up. I had all kinds of mixed feelings running through me. Um, and and at, at that moment, for a moment, 
God wasn't one of them. And once <laughs> I got past, once I got past the, uh, that, which didn't take very long, I prayed over it and I said, "How do I pre- how do I go at this and not be angry and want to hurt somebody?" And I found peace that I know nothing can happen constructively to uh, to give thanks to my maker with my actions. I would have to come in peace. And that's what I've managed to do with dealing with these people. They don't know, you know, I all I could think of when this went down with my son and and he couldn't figure it out, and I told him, son, it came to me. Um, there was a man that it was crucified a long time ago, and in his final words, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And so yep. that, that's been how I've been carried me, and I've tried to be patient and loving, but the fact of the matter is you owe this bill, um, and I need I need to be compensated for the damages. The damages is astronomical, and even that it's to me it's just a number. It's just a number. The main thing is uh, I want my son released, and, uh, and the people uh, are responsible. Yeah. Records <laughs> records expunged, and um, all. Uh, they everything is expunged and never again to be um, trespassed upon by uh, those sorts. Well, I think that it should be to to hold the the actors accountable for their actions as well. Well, and how do we do that? I feel this way since they were acting. They have been acting and are acting in a commercial capacity. It's business. And if it's about business, okay, you want to do business with me? Uh, well, I don't, I don't always want to do business with you. And maybe I do and maybe I don't. In this case, I don't. So, and, and I haven't signed any, any agreement verbally or, impli- well, implied somewhat. But that's only been out of necessity. And right. a truth of affidavit, a truth of affidavit, has already been filed at the county in several states, uh, for that matter. Uh, so anyway, um, I can do business. I can contract them with them with the all capital name. I filed a doing business as in Minnesota several years ago, and I felt right. it was the right thing to do, so they wouldn't be upset. And and in some states, it's actually uh, illegal to not. Um, have your um, your uh, your uh, private name uh, filed on the record in your corporate name uh, because they they've made that actually unlawful. And when I started researching, I said, "Oh, well, it's a good thing." Well, I'm doing it's because it would count. It would be counterfeiting something they already did. Yeah, so, yeah. And again, we're yeah. talking commercial remedies, and I and I do say this quite a bit. There's many ways to get to a destination. This is just another one of those ways, and I, and I like bringing that to the listeners because, you know, again, I, I don't profess to have the, you know, the only way to get to that destination. And, and when folks come on and they share things that, that work for them, uh, it helps all of us. 
Well, um, the thing that was, the thing that was the hardest for me to grasp was that the courts were all commercial. It was the hardest thing for me to grasp and wrap my head around. And I kept saying, what do you mean there's no judicial courts? What do you mean commercial courts? What, what, what? And finally, after I researched it, I had to persuade myself to see what was right in front of my eyes. And it's like, how do I deny this? It's all true. Well, if that's the case... You're beating them at their own game. You're beating them at their own game. And that's well, the thing. Like when, you, when you do the research, when you do the research, and again, you can study UCC and find, uh, you know, remedy in, in commerce and do it that way. Uh, and again, they don't like it when you find it. So, you know, of course, they're going to want to keep it under wraps. Um, you know, they don't, anytime, anytime we get a victory, they don't want it out there in the public anyway. That's why well, they, they hand you they back your notice. You know what? I'm not. I'm, I'm coming in peace, and I'm a most peaceful person. And it's not hard. I'm not hard to get along with, and especially when it's over business transactions. Right. Um, business so I would is business. Say, you know, if they <laughs> if they want if hey if if they want if because I am going to get this confirmed, God willing, and I think God's willing, uh, and I have until the second week of February. You only get one year, and there's been too many delays. But they've been for good reasons. I figured it out later. Um, right. But uh, I just, I just, if, hey, if they ask me, you know, would I mind sealing this? And I tell them, sure. Once the deal is sealed between you and I, as far as payment arrangements and other terms and conditions have all been met, then I'll consider agreeing that you can seal it. Go ahead, seal it if you yeah. want. Right. They're never going to publish it anyway, sweetie, whether they make that deal with you or not. Well, right. I'm not they're never pu- going I'm to publish pu- it. Pardon me? They're, they're never going to publish it. No, arbitration hearings are never published anyway. It, it has to be a, a, um, it's a, it's a private court. It's not published. That's why a lot of people I've talked to, they go, well, I, I never heard of it. One, I had one woman tell me who's pretty much in the know say, like, well, it sounds good. Well, like, kind of you do it first and see what it turns out because she had some doubt. And I said, look, it's not going to be published. I was lucky to come across this one. And I said, I think there's more, but I don't know how many because it's not published and they might have also agreed to seal it. Right. I, I guess what the point I was making is when somebody like myself or, or David or John, we go in and win a decision. Let's say that we, we got our right to a right to trial by jury and we get a decision from these, these uh, administrative courts. If it's a big enough decision, they never publish it. What I'm trying to say to you is they never publish the decisions where it went in we the people's favor. They only publish law uh, uh, decisions in the public courts that benefit the government. I agree. Uh, unless you're a, a, a diligent investigative researcher, you will find some of those cases on uh, a website, uh, Alexis. You have to yeah. do a lot of digging. Alexis, but you, yeah, you, you'd have to do quite a bit of digging, and it'd take you a lot of time. 
and you'd probably be lucky to find maybe 10 in 100. But uh, with this avenue here, um, if, we, if people wanted to, we could start publishing um, uh, uh, among ourselves those that cared to share. But, uh, they, of course, uh, only under the condition that they did not agree to have it sealed, which would mean they couldn't publish it. Uh, David, my suggestion would be that you get her a copy of that mandamus I sent for the sheriff, the local sheriff. Yeah, I will. And then she I, will have I, every address that she can mail her stuff to for each common law jury in all 50 states. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. I want to thank you all for coming on the show and, and participating and sharing with the, the listeners here. Um, anybody that is interested in getting some of this paperwork uh, that we've been talking about, uh, reach out to me on my email address, the letter A, freemaninbabylon at gmail.com. And or you can get a hold of me at the website, bulletproofsolutions.org. And, again, I want to thank everybody for being on the show and participating tonight. We had a lot of great topics. Uh, you guys enjoy your your holidays, your holy days, and uh, hopefully yeah, – uh, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you uh, are celebrating. <laughs> Happy Holy Days. Happy Holy Days. Holy days. I, I, I prefer sticking with them. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for joining me this week, and you guys enjoy the rest of your evenings, and uh, we'll hopefully join again uh, together next week. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very Good much. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye now, thank you.